PlayStation wrap-up. And the Game Awards recap. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is Connecticut's most wanted, Chris <laughs> the Fugitive Figs. Oh, uh, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, apparently not very well. <laughs> well, Chris, as you may know, you are wanted by the Pinkertons for your crimes against Red Dead 2. Oh, uh, but as I understand, you say that you have turned your life around and you now found comfort in the yeah. dummy thick cheeks of one Arthur Morgan. Is that correct? It's true. It's true. I have found God in the form of Dutch Vanderland and I've reformed. <laughs> As he says, he always has a plan. He always, I have a plan. <laughs> Arthur! Today we'll see us sharing our PlayStation wrap-ups, talking Microsoft continuing to further offer Sony concessions uh, for the Activision Blizzard deal, hoping to get it through, checking up on how many of you would rather fight 25 cocaine bears (laughs) than fight Kratos, uh, and give our thoughts on all the announcements at the Game Awards, or as many people call it, Christmas for Gamers. But first, we have to start the show off with a simple tradition, and that is by checking in on what we've been up to, what we've been doing, what we've been playing so chris yes what have you been doing what have you been playing um the vast majority of my week has been sent spent with Firaxis's marvel's midnight suns <clears throat> and yes. it is excellence i played a little bit of deck 13's chained echoes but not not enough to really talk it looks about. like our dogs are barking in sync so if anybody hears that on the microphones I'll do my best to cut it out, but yeah, you may just have to deal with it. Uh, And you know what? While we're here, we may have like a weird cut in the episode due to scheduling stuff going on. This is Mm -hmm. intending to be a slightly quicker episode. I've got to go out of town uh, for work-related stuff. So we wanted to be able to sneak this in and hopefully get an episode squeezed out for you guys to enjoy. Um, But yeah, I'm glad you're still liking that game. Not that I ever thought that you wouldn't. So has it gotten? has your love for it grown or is it pretty much mostly the same? Oh, yeah. even it's, more. The fir- it's the first game in a while where I'm like, one more round, and then it's four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, those are good games. Yeah, I tend to find those, and that may be the case there, I tend to find those in games that are not story-heavy, mm-hmm. but rather the gameplay loop is essentially perfect. Well, that's and the reason I say is. that is like a lot of games have that thing where when they are story focused, they'll eventually take the control away from you to tell the story. Right. And that creates moments for you to be like, yeah, I can kind of quit right here. Mm-hmm. But when it's completely in your head, it's just like, oh, I'm having fun. I could probably squeeze one more out. You can one, you can squeeze one more out forever. You know what I mean? No, I agree. All right, all right. Future Chris and future Brett here. Uh, we had to cut like I had t- anticipated. <laughs> uh, I just didn't anticipate that we were going to get back to it uh, two days later. No, neither <laughs> did I. I guess. I guess one day later. Yeah, it's one yeah, it's, one full day. Well, it's like one day in like 14 states later. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. This is true. So I am in Boston for work closer to Chris than I've ever been in, in <laughs> exception of the time that he stayed in my house. Yeah, in, the, in my <laughs> neck of the woods, it's the closest you've ever been. Yeah, that's true. I've never been to the Northeast at all, but now I have, and I'm rushing through it, and then i got to go home tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. We thought, hey, I, I figured I'd bring up the bring equipment that I thought could work. So if the audio 
doesn't sound as good as normal. Sorry, I'm working with this little lapel mic that I have. Uh, video quality is not as good for at least me. I'm on a laptop webcam, but we're going to make something work. Um, so now that we're back at it, Chris, let's get the go- let's get the show going in the way that we always do, and let's let's play catch back up on what you've been doing, what you've been playing. <laughs> and are you still finding comfort in the dummy thick cheeks of Arthur Morgan? I will always find comfort in his thick, thick cheeks. But um, I'm yeah, happy no, to hear it. 100%. I've been, um, I've been, so I've been playing Midnight Suns still. Love Midnight Suns. Okay. Um, I've played a little bit of an RPG called Chained Echoes. It got a really good, it got really good reviews and I just kind of impulse bought it. Um, and then it was kind of fortuitous that we delayed because I have played a couple hours of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt on the PlayStation My 5. man. Now, hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. The next, the next controversial segment <laughs> in Triangle Squared history has to become, is it, ti- is it time for you to stop dunking on The Witcher and actually like it? <laughs> Did you see what? So you didn't see the message I sent in our group chat? I don't think I did. Oh, you should go look because I think I addressed that pretty well. Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh no! Okay, hold on. Witcher three at sixty frames per second feels pretty good, and then a GIF of I don't know who, but oh my god, is this happening again? I mean, <laughs> that 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 sounds like par for the course, Chris. You are finally going to become a fan of The Witcher three. Which I guess it's, leads me into a, an interesting question to ask you. Yeah. Why do you think it's different? Do you think it's only because the game's running better? Do you think you're in a different mindset? Or do you think that you playing and enjoying Cyberpunk has you in like this more accepting mood of CD Projekt Red? No, I don't think Cyberpunk had anything to do with it because I think Cyberpunk um, kind of appealed more to my love of Fallout than it did to my lack of interest in The Witcher. Yeah. Um, but I just think 60 FPS, like, it looks better, runs better. Um, and, like, I was looking forward to trying it again. I think that might have changed my outlook on it a little bit when I first started it. Because a lot of the times I've played it, I've been like, I have to play this again. I have to try because I have to be wrong. And instead of that, this time I was just like, yeah, I can't wait to see what it feels like on PS5. And it feels pretty good. Good. Feels pretty I nice. don't know when I'm going to get back around to it just due to the sheer amount of games that we have to play. But I definitely intend to play that game again because I've not played it since uh, 2015. But I adore the game. It's, it's a very good game. And man, kind of crazy to think that game's getting yet again another extended life on PS5 seven years later. Yeah. It's a, a touchstone of my daughter being born while yeah. I was beating the game. Like literally oh, really? she was in the NICU and we weren't allowed to stay. Uh, so we were going home. It was real, you know, crazy time. And I was very close to the end of the Witcher. And after the first day of just sitting at home and going up to the hospital every couple of hours when we could go see Kyrie, I just got to a point where I was like, I'm losing my mind here. I just need to do something. Uh-huh. So I started playing the game. And finished it. So it'd be cool to kind of come back and revisit that game separate from uh, being a father for seven years and yeah. having seven years of gaming taste change and, and 
whatnot over time. Um, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you're liking The Witcher 3, but I know I that am. you've been absolutely adoring one game in particular. Oh, yes. Marvel's Midnight Suns is top-notch. Wait a minute. I thought it was Super Mario Odyssey. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny, Brett. I know, Chris. You hate platformers. I, I don't hate platformers. It's okay to I hate, hate Mario, most at least to me. Mario's well, is not if, good. If you hate Mario, it doesn't offend me. Yeah. Because I don't but, care about Mario. <laughs> you know. For fanboys listening in 1997, I also don't particularly like Sonic. So... <laughs> Um, but no, Midnight Suns is truly excellent. It's, it, I don't, the, the gameplay is just phenomenal. The animations are really great. There's one, um, for Ghost Rider you should look up at some point. It's just so cool. Um, it's the Hell Ride if you're playing the game. And, um, I, okay. I'm just really liking it. Uh, I like the story is pretty fun. It's not good, but it's fun, if that makes sense. And, uh, I don't mind some of the, quality of life stuff like going around the abbey and going to book club with blade i think that stuff's kind of fun um so so far like i'm really super into it yeah so you know you're talking about the story not being fun or not being good but being fun and there's a level for games where i found i find that if the gameplay loop is so fun and good enough then all the story really needs to do is find something whether it be like a good maintaining a mystery Mm -hmm. or just good at telling a typical story or good presentation or in this case fun (laughs) sheer unbridled like hey this is just goofy it's a reason for you to want to keep playing the game and that's kind of goes back to what i was talking about with uh sonic frontiers where i feel like the story in that game is fine like it's it's not bad by any means but it's it's just interesting enough and the mystery is just compelling enough to where mm-hmm. I, I hope for the next game they dig a little deeper. But it, it's perfect for being like, huh, that's kind of interesting. But also now I want to go keep running around these worlds and solving more puzzles, you know? Yeah. Solving more platforming sections or completing more platforming sections. So that's a really good way to set up. Um, yeah, I, I, we need to get around, or I need to get around to Midnight Suns just so I can answer your question as to whether or not me and Blake will like it. Yeah, I'm fascinated because it's definitely up my alley. Like, I'm a big Civ guy. Like, Crusader Kings 3, I loved last year. Um, let's see, like, XCOM 2, obviously a great game. So, it, it definitely fits into what I like, but I just think it's so much fun to play. Like, the every time the animations go off, it's super satisfying. So, like, I think there's something there for people, but just I don't know if you'll sit through a 40 hour campaign like I will. So. Well, no, I absolutely don't mind 40-hour campaigns as I just long mean as they find a way to be specific 40-hour campaign. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Chris, knowing what you know about me and my gaming habits, as the time that we've been friends has continued to bloom and blossom, how mm-hmm. do, do you feel like, if you had to guesstimate, where do you feel like I would land on the game if I were to play it? More, of, more out of curiosity because we can use this to look back on when I have played the game and see how close you got. Huh. I, I think knowing you, if you gave it the time of day, you would like it, but I don't think you'd want to sit there and learn it enough to get deep enough into it to like it. 
You know, I, I don't even disagree with you. It's it's sheer, it's sheerly like a what day am I playing it? How long do I have that day to play it? Because yeah. the problem I have is it's a first day thing. Like the first day that I play a game without stopping, mm-hmm. I need to get to a point where it's pulling me in for me to really want to go back to it. And that's why I think like Signalis, I don't think I played enough of it for it to really dig its hooks into me. And so I think it's been really easy for me to just be like, I'll, I'll eventually play it, but it's not on the forefront of my list, you know? Yeah, that that's one to me. I think I said it to you, and I said it on the show, where I thought you would really like that game. And I still do think you'll like that game, because it does I seem honestly, very up your alley. From what I did play, I think I will. But because I haven't actually gotten to the gameplay loop that is clicking with me and rewarding me enough mm-hmm. for my dopamine receptors to be like, hell yeah, yeah. I keep playing. It's just like a... It's not like, oh, I don't like it. It's, I can come back to it. Yeah, because for me, it's if Paradox Souls was good. And, and yeah. I know we both like Paradox Souls, but this is better yeah. than that. So that's how I felt about it. I know, like you said, like I just said, I know you liked it. So I really thought you would you would get in, in, invested. But it, I, I'm the same way. I had one bad experience with God of War, and I just deleted it. So like, <laughs> I don't know when I'll go back to it. I want to go back. But as we've seen evidence twice now, maybe three times on this show, my opinions change. So maybe one day I'll go and love Horizon. Right now, this is not the time. So, Yeah. No, it's actually crazy how different your tastes can change with games when you come back around to them later. Um, you know, the go-to example we always gave on the show when Saul was around was uh, Saul. He didn't, like, hate it, but he kind of played near Automata and then wrote it off because he like he didn't get very far and he kind of just like meh for some reason Saul came back around to uh, near Automata with as far as I can tell no provocation and then he ended up loving it and I've done the same thing with plenty of games yeah uh, that's what you know what you're doing right now is what I keep thinking like maybe Red Dead 1 is a good game and it will click with me <laughs> And because, you know, it's 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 not like FOMO or it's fear of missing out. It's more of like when you hear someone talk about something and you're like, am I just missing? Like, is it me? Am I the problem? Am I missing <laughs> the thing that's supposed to make it good? Yeah. And I think that really it doesn't bother me, but it makes you curious. It's like maybe I was in the wrong. Maybe I'm in the wrong space whenever I go to play it. Maybe I'm giving it too big of expectations when I go to play it. Because like the problem with playing a game like Red Dead 1 is that it's got so much acclaim and accolades behind it mm-hmm. that playing it now feels like, eh. But, you know, I don't know if I told you, I played for like a good five to ten hours back on PS3. My wife bought it for me, girlfriend at the time, as part of a two-for-one alongside Heavy Rain. And one more game, I can't remember what it was, but I got so into Heavy Rain that Red Dead by extension just kind of felt boring, <laughs> which can't give you much more information than that. It was too <laughs> too long ago, but no, I get it still. because you know you look at some of the things I talk about where I don't understand why I don't like how I am not interested in God of War right now. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And so I understand when people, you know, listen and they're like, you're crazy because I don't get it either. I liked God of War 2018 fine enough. And I enjoyed this one until certain things happened. So it just kind of makes me, I get exactly what you're saying because you don't want to be that one person who's like, oh, The Witcher 3 sucks. And everyone is like, oh, The Witcher 3 is the greatest game of all time. You know? 
But yeah, but you've also got to kind of be true to what you feel. Well, that's even thing, if yeah. it's something that you can't quantify, and that's the hardest thing is like <laughs> when you say that something that you don't like something, and it depends on your um, your motivation, the kind of your energy behind it. But like, you know, when you say you don't like something, it tends to come with this expectation of why, and it's a fair question to for someone who likes something to ask you why you don't like it. But it's not always as point blank is being able to put your finger on what it is that you don't like right sometimes it's just like it's an energy thing like i'm not feeling the game it's not even that i can point to one thing that's ruining it for me which i think god of war you can point to one thing um or at least you can point to what kind of turned you off of it okay and then it was just easy to continue that feeling of like eh, until you got to the point where you were so apathetic with it that you just deleted it right yeah exactly yeah, I exactly. kept saying, am and I going to go back? And the answer kept being no. <laughs> well, it's like it's that apathy threshold, right? It's like the yeah. game wasn't able to cross your apathy threshold, which I kind of get because I have it with plenty of games too. And a lot of the times I'll do that thing too where I'm like, I'm going to keep it on my system until I, until I go back to it. And then one day on some games I'll go back to it or one day I'll just be like, well, apparently I'm not ever going to go back to it. So I just would rather have the hard drive space. Exactly. Because I was going to download The Witcher 3, and I didn't even need the space. I was just like, yeah, this can go. It's 85 gigs. You know, one day <laughs> I'll put those 85 gigs back on the system. But Today was not yeah. that day. All right, well, cool. Do you want to say anything about Chained Echoes? I mean, you see, are you enjoying it? Yeah, it seems fun. It's a, it's a top-down kind of turn-based Final Fantasy-esque kind of game. It just kind of came out at the wrong time. Because I, I, I saw the reviews. It had like a 94 on Metacritic. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then I kept playing Midnight Suns. And then Witcher came out. Now Neon White's out on PS5. And I'm like, ah. I wanted to give That's you a fair shake for Game of the Year. But yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Well, Chris, it's like I still want me, I still want me and you to play Ship of Fools. Oh God, <laughs> I yeah. just haven't. I haven't even had remote time to do no. so uh, lately. So it's it's been hectic, and I feel like playing that game in any way besides the intended co op nature of the game is doing it a disservice. Yeah, I've thought about starting. Like, I don't. It. Yeah, I don't think I would have liked Tribes of Midgard as much without the social friend element. Like I still like the game. The gameplay loop is fun. Yeah, but I think it'd have been a lot easier to wear out on it. Without the friend element, the friend element helped. Oh, 100 percent. It always does. Uh, it's a yeah. It's a big part of Conan too. It's like that feeling of a uh, communal experience that you and your friend are going in and working towards, and it adds to the already good experience you're having with the game. And um, it's why multiplayer can be a really strong facet of games, even when they're not multiplayer in the way that you typically think of. You know, people think of multiplayer, and I, I tend to think that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is me projecting something on. But I, I feel like it's a fair assessment to say that when people use the word multiplayer, it's typically thought of that people are talking about some form of PvP multiplayer. Yeah, it's true. Uh, as a, a head, and you know, typically, and I, I think it comes from the fact that split screen used to be your thing of like playing together. Sure. Uh, and that's not really where we are now. You know, it's more of a multiplayer that's fallen under the multiplayer thing for a lot of games. So hopefully I'll get around to it. But um, I did beat the Callisto protocol. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, just to kind of check in on last week, I don't hate the game, but a game that I was probably willing to give like a seven and a half 
at, you know, whenever I was first playing it, like, hey, it's good. I enjoy it. I'm having a good time. There are issues. Is a, is a thing where the last two chapters have so many issues. Some of it just bad writing, bad storytelling, paperweight. Like, oh my god, dude! The, the characters and the, what they want you to feel towards them. The game does nothing to build those connections. Uh, and then the final boss fight, and just everything around the the end is just it's frustrating because it feels like this is how you cap this off. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's wild to me. Uh, I I love that there are people championing the game because the upside is is that there is good in this game. Yeah, and there is there potential, is. like you mentioned. And if the game can do well enough and enough people like it, even as is, and enough people... I like it as is. I don't want to act like I don't. I enjoy it as is. I'm still glad I beat it. I don't think I'll ever play that game again. That's the best way I can kind of describe it. I would never think to replay that game unless they somehow updated it in major ways that would completely change the, the later half of the game, and seldom does that happen to any game. Final Fantasy XV is maybe one of the only examples in modern gaming that I can think of in which it's happened. Um, so it's it's something that I would return still a little cautiously to a sequel on. Um, and that's unfortunate. But I always, I saw somebody championing it, and I'm like, great, I'm glad you are, because despite the fact that I had issues with the game, I always championed the, the Order 1886 because I hoped to eventually see the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. And while that's probably never going to happen, that's not a foregone conclusion for Callisto yet. So it still has potential for a future, and probably more reasonable, or at least I hope more reasonable expectations. Um from the the PUBG Corporation or what is it, Creighton? Crafton. I can't. Crafton. There we go. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but besides that, I finally started. Nobody saves the world, uh, and you know I, I was a big Drinkbox fan for the Vita titles. Agreed. Um, and I adored them. Um, the Guacamelee Two also a fantastic game. Um, and my initial thoughts were that this game didn't grip me as I, I, I was enjoying it and I was playing it and I had a long time to play it when I sat down and played it. So it was able to get to that point where it got its hooks in me uh, enough. But I think the game is such a bigger scale and the idea of forms is so widespread and you don't even realize at the beginning of the game and there's so many of them that that its speed to get to its standard um, drink box appeal is slower, but I think I'm going to get there because it's kind of an interesting, have you ever had a moment where you've been playing a game and then you're like, it'd be kind of cool to see somebody make a game like this. And then you play another game and it feels like it's almost the answer to the question that you had. Sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I've been playing oblivion. Okay. And it's an RPG. And I thought it'd be kind of cool if somebody made like a top down RPG, like oblivion where it's like top down Zelda style combat, and, but it's still an open world with radiant with quest lines that you can go to and guilds. And then I open this game up and go through the story, and I get to a point where there's the fighters guild. Basically, uh-huh. it's a, a and then I keep going, and there's a thieves guild, and it's like it's got that classic drink box thing of kind of lampooning to a degree the situation so the thieves guild i don't want to say too much because i don't want to ruin any of the comedy behind all of it but one example i'll give just because i think it's really funny is uh the thieves guild cliche a guy bumps into you puts a a note in your pocket and he steals your stars and the note in your pocket says uh 
if you want your stars back, come to this house. Yeah. And when you go to the house and you end up, the first thing you got to do is you got to take the note or take your stars back. They're on the table. And because you take them back, they're like, hi, you took them, you stole them. And so they induct you into the Thieves Guild. (laughs) And the first job I did as a side quest for the Thieves Guild was going to a store for this guy. And he's like, we can take advantage of your form shifting thing because the, the idea is that if you go to the store, one per customer, you can go in and get a dagger for five gold. And okay. so the guy says, that's a steal. The, the guy <laughs> in the Thieves Guild. So he, he gives you 20 gold to buy four daggers and you just have to change form four times and walk back into the building. <laughs> To get a dagger for it, and I think that that level of humor and and the idea of like riffing on those types of games while still being that type of game in many ways is super fun. Um, so I'm having a good time, and it's crazy how robust the forms are. I think I've got like seven or eight forms unlocked right now, and they're all pretty well fleshed out. And then on top of that eventually you start to get the ability to mix abilities from different forms into other forms and you can in a weird way, make your own form. Um, and that's kind of cool. I like the, I like the game a lot. Um, you should get back around to it. Cause I know you played a little bit, right? I did. Yeah. I played a good amount. Uh, apparently it's uh, co-op. Uh, nobody saves the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if it's multiplayer co-op or just split screen co-op. Um, well, we could try it. I'm always down. But I thought that was kind of a fun idea. Um, the flight today, uh, this morning, I brought my Vita. I, I pulled it out of its slumber, charged it up, <laughs> and decided to finally download and play uh, Danganronpa, Ooh, the first one. So I'm shit. not super far into it, um, but it's interesting because, you know, it's a game I didn't really look into much, and it's got an interesting play style, so I'm really liking it. The writing is good, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. It has to be for that type of game since it's so character-driven. But I was also surprised at the um, the way you move around the world because unlike um, Doki Doki, you still get to actually navigate this world, and it's in this very odd, like, flat cartoon pop-up style that fits the aesthetic of the game really well. But you get to 3D navigate areas... It's very odd. So I'm having a good time with it. And then I played um, a good chunk more Pokemon Violet with the update. Nice. Which was pretty cool. It's running a lot better. So it's a good time to actually play it. I I didn't have nearly as many frame drops. Got it. All right, maybe I'll give it a shot then. Yeah. But the last thing I played, which I don't think you did, and I'm a little curious. I I was hoping you would, and I I just didn't want to push it on you. Um, The Forspoken demo. Yeah, no, I didn't play that. Yeah, so is it just strictly because you're that disinterested in the game? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. a reasonable answer if there ever was one. But I also don't play demos. Like, I, I don't think I've played one since I got demo discs, so... I usually don't, so I'm there with you, but this game in particular felt like I... Should. Because I, I, I've had this optimistic viewpoint of the game, Yeah, and I, I think this was a really good... This was a good chance to check in on that and see if that was founded in in reasonable goodwill or if it was time to realize that this was the proof uh and i'm happy to say that while i'm uncertain on the story still because it's a demo and it's not trying to deal with the story much yeah the gameplay is super fun okay good i'm glad to hear that i don't want games to be bad so 
Yeah, so the gameplay was my big thing. As long as the gameplay is fun, I am going to buy it day one and take the chance on the story. To be now, the big question for a lot of people is the dialogue between Cuff and, and Faye. Uh-huh. Uh, Frey? I can't remember what her name was. Um, but you can turn it down. I chose not to because I wanted to see if it would bother me. And some of it's cringy and it's a bit too often. Mm. Uh, I'm glad you can turn that down. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think it's that much worse than a lot of the dumb dialogue that you get in games. Like one of the things I think God of War Ragnarok did really well is that Kratos as a character is just kind of naturally quiet. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of grunts. No. But that doesn't mean God of War got away with it completely because what they do to make up for Kratos's stoicism is just make everyone else talk incessantly. <laughs> and yeah. it's good because it's story filling out and everything, but it still feels like they talk a lot. But that's okay because it, it at least is a more than not, it's a net positive. Um, this is not going to be a net positive for the game. <laughs> it's hard to tell if it'll be a net ne- negative. Okay. Because like I'm wondering, and this is a really weird question to ask of the game whenever there's not a lot to go on, but my curiosity is, can they utilize in this story her being immature and her dialogue with Cuff reflecting that immaturity as she's in this new world and then use that dialogue to over time improve that dialogue and you see her grow as a person while still having her quirkiness and if that can play into the story or at least the character interactions and if so then that dialogue can feel more purposeful Mm -hmm. than the demo currently expresses it to be i can see but that's such a it's a it's a what if um so if nothing else, at least the game will allow you to turn it off so that the story can work within its own confines. Uh, but if you ever have a random free time and are curious, I would like to see you play the game. But at the same time, if you just want to wait until I buy the game so that you can then play it, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand you've got a big investment in this game. You got a hundred bucks riding on its qualities. <laughs> yeah, literally I have an investment <laughs> in this game. Monetarily... And I, emotionally feels like the wrong word, but like for my, I guess emotional, because joy is an emotion. For my sure. own joy of a gamer, I hope this game is good. I agree. But I also hope it's bad. All right. Because I want you to lose. <laughs> I mean, yes, I understand. Yeah. With that in mind, I hope that Persona 4 Golden scores solo. It won't. It won't. Because (laughs) it's like I said in um, the Triangle Square Discord, which you can join at the link below in the podcast description. Um, uh, Witcher 3 having a 97 on PS5 bodes so well for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I, I see where the parallel is, and there's a good chance that you're right. <laughs> the The real big question is whether it gets scored or not at all by enough people to, you know what I mean? Like we were talking well, about. Well, it bodes so, well because people felt the need to do it for Witcher 3. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is not even, well, I guess it technically is a bespoke release though, right? I mean, it's a free upgrade, but it's also, a, you can buy the game on PS5 you can, if you've never played it. But it's the same yeah. with uh, Persona, so. We shall uh, see. Well, with that out of the way, we're going to move on to the community's take. And the community's take, if you're unaware, is where we ask you guys at the end of every episode a question 
that is based off of either a suggestion from the community or something that happened in gaming recently or just a fun idea that we came up with. And we use that as a way to kind of get all you guys' voices together and have a unified topic for us to talk about. Uh, we've asked you guys plenty of times if you like this segment and you keep saying you do, so we'll keep it as long as you like it and enjoy it. Um, the community's take of course, can be interacted with as we post on social media. Uh, we do it over on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We do it on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. And lastly, you can always go to the Discord linked in the description below. Join, and there's a dedicated section for that. Um, so the question this week was kind of crazy. It was based off <laughs> of uh, Blake and uh, his odd question to end last week's episode. So, would you rather fight Kratos or 25 cocaine bears? Oh, what is your reasoning? And be as descriptive as you like. So as you may remember, Chris and I had a disagreement on what we thought would be the better idea um, a little bit last week. If I recall, Chris, you seem to think that the, tw- the bears would be the issue. And I seem to think that you could pit the bears against each other because they would be mm-hmm. hyped up on cocaine. Well, my whole thing um, was that. So it's that, time to see whose who's choice is going to be right. So yeah. put your votes in now. If you're watching this on YouTube, type in the comments, hashtag Team Brett, hashtag Team Chris. We'll make sexy Twilight posters. I'm kidding. We won't do that. <laughs> I'm down, actually. <laughs> you going to take your shirt off? Yeah. I'll are you going to be Edward or Jacob? I'll wear a chef coat with nothing on underneath, and I will zip it up. It'll be super sexy. I'll drip marinara sauce on my chest. I want your face. Okay, that means you'll be the vampire and the marinara will be the stand-in for blood. And that means that I want your picture in your face. I want it to look like Edward's face whenever Bella walks into the room in the first movie and it looks like he's about to shit himself. (laughs) 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 Like he's farting up the room and he's the only one who knows because it's silent but deadly so he's like holding his nose. (laughs) Oh, what a wild movie. That is a fun episode of Midweek. A very fun episode. It was. Uh, so with that in mind, let's get to it. So we have TT Dog 666 He says, the cocaine bears. Hopefully, they'd start attacking each other in the process, making the fight easier. And I doubt Kratos would start hitting himself with the blades at any point. <laughs> Valid. Valid. Uh, Josh Ayers, one of our longtime listeners, longtime patrons, he says, Kratos, I'm no good. I'm no god. It will be over quick. I've done nothing to anger him. Yep. Uh, Savoy Prime, one of our newest patrons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month so that he could get priority read status on these. All right. That's <laughs> what he did because he's a nice man and we really appreciate it. Savoy. My dog. Uh, he says, I got to choose Kratos. At least he'd probably end me quick. The cocaine bears are going to make it excruciating. You saw what happened to Leo in The Revenant. He survived. <laughs> he, uh, Sure, he did survive. Did he? <laughs> did he? No. Uh, Velvet Thunder, another new patron, he says, Take your pick. Either way, my plan is to ball up in the fetal position and await the sweet embrace of death. That is my favorite answer. So far, it's so apathetic. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good it. answer. It's a good answer for sure. 
We're hearing from constantly Kenny, one of our longtime patrons. About it's good to hear from him. He says Kratos because at least my death will be quick. So Chris, I think you might be onto something, but we'll see. He says I feel like the Bears would bat me around and take their time. And then last but certainly not least in this particular case is the man himself, Blake Popes, coming in with the answer to his own question. He says <laughs> I'd rather fight these cute cuddly things, and then posted a GIF of a bear rubbing cocaine on its face. <laughs> And I'm going to be honest, the GIF is pretty fucking cute. Yeah. If you have Twitter and you want to go see it, find the tweet where we uh, posted this out and you can see that response. Uh, So what I have to say, uh, oh, the Twitter is at Triangle SQRD, Mm -hmm. where you can follow us to stay up to date on when these episodes go live. And you can also follow Chris at his new Twitter, which I don't know the handle of, so I'm going to make him say it to you. (laughs) (laughs) ChrisFigs underscore. C-H-R-I-S-F-I-G-Z underscore. Look at that. You can go harass him, tell him where he's wrong, how he's right. You know that Blake's first thing he's going to do now is message you about how you're wrong about everything. Blake still hasn't even followed me on Twitter, so I'm not friends with him anymore. That man. I followed you on Twitter. You did, from yes. The, the yeah, game I mean, Twitter. I mean, from the Triangle the... Square. That is my Twitter at this point. It is. Like we've landed on that being my Twitter that is under this podcast name. Dude, I'm looking reason. at my follows uh, right now, and it's just all porn bots. Why did Elon buy this again? I don't mind the bumping followers, but it ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> I want something real. I do. Okay. I want that I real love. I just want something real. That Jada and that uh, Will love. All right. So we're going to get into the news here. Uh, and as you may remember from our opening that we did yesterday, uh, there's not a there's not a lot of news. The news is clearly very okay. Let me re- reword this. There's not a lot of news that doesn't pertain particularly to the Game Awards. Yes, kind of what happens. It's a bad week to put news out because the oh. Game Awards dominate the conversation. Part of it. So with that in mind, Chris is hot muting himself over here. Uh, first thing in the news. Hogwarts Legacy announced in a showcase that the last-gen versions of the game, so that's PS4 and Xbox One, uh, had been delayed until July. Nothing has changed with the current uh, generation versions. So for those of us excited for it on PS5 or Xbox Series S and or X, uh, you don't have much that you have to worry about. Uh, That is unfortunate, but I think this might also be showing what we kind of already knew to be true in that Cross-gen does have an impact, one that we as fans of the medium and not necessarily being people who work in that medium can tell, but it's at least something that exists and the developers have to contend with, and that does mean that you have to spend extra time um, optimizing these games for that version. Uh, So as Chris hotly put in a piece of news that came out today, uh, I want to see... Chris, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, do you feel like at this point it maybe makes more sense to just... Uh, Okay. Does it make more sense to cancel those versions or keep them? At this point, they've promised it for too long that I feel like canceling them is a rough move. Uh, But Gotham Knights did it. They should just cancel it. What is it that Kylo Ren says? Uh, Bury the past. Kill the past. (laughs) Do that. What, what is it? Bury the past, kill it if you have to? Yes, right. You're right. Bury the past, kill it if you have to. <laughs> I feel like that was more you know, uh, Michael Caine than anything else. but That's not even like a bad quote. It's actually a pretty cool quote. 
Kylo yeah. Ren has the potential to be such a cool character, and instead, he is very little fleshed out. I and think it, it makes me sad. It's a very good, you know. I think the movies are fine. Kylo Ren is a great character, but it, you know what? I don't really like Star Wars, so that's fine. That's why you don't come at me. I don't like the old Star Wars. I watched them way too late. Empire is a top five movie of all time. The rest of them kind of suck. And I, I, I like The Last Jedi. <laughs> Man, Chris, you were really painting a target on your back. I know. If you hadn't, have you hadn't recently rediscovered yourself in the the warm butt cheeks of Arthur Morgan? You might really be in a, a world of hurt. <laughs> I could. If be. you hated Red Dead, you hated God of War, and then you hate The Witcher Three, which I, apparently is turning around, and you hate Star Wars, you're just a contrarian, my friend. Uh, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's been times I've been called a contrarian and you just kind of got to deal with it you know what i mean i know it's whatever so all right so here's the next interesting bump that we have to deal with uh if you've been no sorry the, the the next one's not that bad it's actually pretty good depending on who you ask if you've been waiting for the final fantasy pixel remasters uh to show their faces on consoles if the ESR is to be believed, the wait should be ending soon. PS4 and Switch have been added to the official list of consoles, indicating that a reveal may be imminent. Uh, so that's pretty good. Now, the question that I know some people who are a little more hardcore into it are asking is, um, are they going to fix the text scroll issue that causes a V-Sync issue? And then some people want the font to change because they feel it's too modern. I don't think that I personally find the font being modernized or clean. It doesn't look pixelated is an issue, but it, whenever it's scrolling, breaking and causing, yeah. you know, uh, frame tears is a little bit of an issue. So hopefully that'll be something they can fix. Whether or not they do is uh, over and under for square. You never really know how it's going to go. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. That reminds me of being like, yeah, I, you know, I'd really like a Lamborghini. But could you do me a favor and make it so that the windows still crank up? Like I don't, I, <laughs> like, I don't understand. There is someone. There is someone somewhere in the world who's like, yeah, I, I, I'm down for that. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm not opposed to the crank. I think it's nostalgic. But you know, if you're buying something new, I don't. I think the new font makes a lot of sense. We don't need to go back well, to old point, crappy right? fonts. Well, at this point, right, Goldwing doors are nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> and yet they still put them on new cars. To be fair, Goldwing doors are also still fucking cool. They are cool. <laughs> I, I've i never seen one in life and not been like, holy shit, that's awesome. Because it, it, it just it is. is. Do, you remember, do you remember the... It was when I was young. I don't even know if you're old. I'm not that much older than you, but... Still, would they have the seatbelts that you would close the door and it would automatically like roll up the side <laughs> and like choke you yeah. out? Yeah, I was just yeah. thinking about that. My cousin's car used to have that. Yeah, my grandpa had this old uh, station wagon, Ford station wagon that would do that. Nice. Uh, that my aunt had given to him, and I remember it felt like the height of luxury at the time. <laughs> and that was in like first that it was like a 1990s model. Yeah. And we were he was driving it in like 2005. Yeah. <laughs> 2004. Uh, but you know when you grow up poor, things like that feel like uh -huh. ooh. <laughs> it was like when the first car you had that had automatic doors in the minivan. I remember those. Oh man, yeah, 
we had a van for a very short period of my life when my stepdad, who had good money, was with my mom for like six months. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the Dodge Caravan days. Hell yeah. Oh, Chris, let me add, let me tell you something real quick. Hi. I want to I want to wish you a sincere happy Honda days. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm more we celebrate Subaru Day in this house, but I understand. Oh, I thought maybe you were more of a Toyotathon guy. I I do I do like the Toyotathon, but we do tend to be uh you know, Kinson Benza is usually what we go to. Okay, I feel everybody's got their you know got their yeah. poison. All right, next thing up in the news. The Xbox fuck? has apparently sweetened the pot for Sony even further by adding PlayStation Plus support for the Call of Duty deal. Uh, Sony has apparently denied this deal. This comes just a few days after it was announced that the FTC would be suing to block the deal, uh, which has caused quite the stir in uh, opinions outside <laughs> of... Um, Outside of the core business world of this thing, I've seen some interesting opinions that I don't know exactly how to take at face value because some of them are from people who are within the industry. Yeah, and I feel like their arguments in a vacuum uh, make sense, but because I am not, because I am essentially viewing this from in a vacuum of being a fan and not of having much better understanding of how the inner workings of a business go here, how salient the arguments really are. Um, but you know, this also comes after Microsoft saying something about Sony making like Sony aiming to make them smaller in order to continue dominating in the, in the <laughs> business. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a wild statement because I don't really, I, I'm not even trying to swing at Microsoft or anything here. I just think it's a really interesting statement to say that Sony's way of dominating is to make you smaller when you have more teams since your acquisition of the entirety of Bethesda and all the studios that came along with them. The acquisition of Obsidian, sure. Ninja Theory. Yes. I mean, you bought Playground Games, all right? That that originally was not one that you had. Uh, they bought, um, who else did they buy? Uh, uh, In Exile. Mm-hmm. So they have more first-party studios now than Sony does, and they have, at least on paper, the ability to put out more games first-party than Sony does. So I I feel that that is a kind of hollow statement that comes along the back and forth of this kind of um, controversy, if that makes sense. Um, But what are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, it it just feels like the mix together feels weird. Also, the PS Plus thing sounds weird. Not that I think it's not what they're going for, but we'll kind of come back around to that. I kind of more curious of what you think about the statement about PlayStation staying dominant by making them smaller. I think it's going to sound bad. I don't mean it in the way it comes off, but I think it's something only the loser could say. (laughs) And that loser really has to pretend that they're not called Microsoft, which is why I think the rebrand to nowhere Xbox is a brilliant tactic to put people off to forget that they're not the single biggest company in the entire world, at least one of them. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I think that makes sense. And when I think about it, right, like you can do the same, um, you can do the same thing, right? You can, you can 
use the same argument towards PlayStation. You can say, sure. okay, well, they consider themselves PlayStation, and they can use that to askew the fact that they are ultimately Sony. Right. But I think that you're still dealing with an apples and oranges situation in that uh, Microsoft as a, as a whole is a far, far, far bigger company exactly. than Sony is as a whole. Um, so, you know, the, and there's a lot of arguments about the way things go. People... And I'm really trying to, I've been trying to think through in my mind the way I view PlayStation's growth, up, like how they chose to grow. And you look at it from people saying, like, well, when PlayStation came in in the 90s with the PlayStation 1, that they were essentially buying their way into the industry. Um, and I don't know that I view that the same because I don't know if you remember, or I don't, for anyone who doesn't know, this is just good history, real quick. The whole reason the PlayStation 1 came about is it was going to be a disc attachment for the Nintendo. Mm -hmm. The Nintendo ended up dumping the deal on and going with, I think, Philips or something like that. It was Philips. For their CD thing. And so Sony took all the work that they put into that and then just made it into their own console. And I think that while they, of course, secured deals, which I I understand because every game company does that, um, they also made their own first-party studio, started putting out games for it, in the essence of that as well. And then you think about the way that Microsoft came into the industry where they tried, as soon as they came into the industry, they tried buying Nintendo. That was the first thing that they did. They thought, well, we don't, to enter the industry, why would we build something up? Why would we not just buy out something that's successful and that would be our leg into that industry? And then you think about everything else they did. They bought Halo. Mm-hmm. to go into their particular game. And then they bought a whole bunch of other studios. They tried meeting up with studios in Japan and got laughed out because they were trying to strong arm their way into Japan. And all I'm saying is... You forgot. That that's essentially the... What's up? No, I was going to... I didn't mean to cut you off, but that specific comment you made about the studio they got laughed out of, I think you're conveniently... You know, you're forgetting the fact that it's fucking Nintendo <laughs> that they got laughed out of. <laughs> They got laughed out of multiple Japanese studios, but you're right. That is a a big one uh, in relation to that. Um, But, you know, they dealt with that a lot. And I'm not saying that Xbox doesn't deserve to have station in Japan, and maybe they were unfairly laughed out. But I think a lot of it comes down to the way they chose to operate. And not to say that it's wrong, necessarily. You can say it's different, but I think the, the problem there is, in this particular situation, we're seeing Microsoft just attempt that again, and I think that there's still no way you can say that Sony and Microsoft's form, their their method to growth, is anywhere near similar. And I think at the end of the day, for Microsoft to say a sentence like their only way to stay dominant is to make us smaller is kind of disingenuous. And I think it really discounts the fact that at one point in time, Sony was essentially bleeding to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't realize that the PS3 in particular almost killed Sony and was to the point where they were having to subsidize that business in many ways. And it wasn't until the PS4 that Sony became... Uh, Late PS3, early PS4, where the PlayStation became Sony's biggest actual arm of their business, which had not been the case for a long time. And I don't think you can look at what Sony did during the PS3 and look at what Xbox is doing now and 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 have any real overlap. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that that's a I, when I say fair, I, I don't mean I, I'm strictly mean that I don't think it's a fair comparison point. Yeah. 
none of those things overlap in a way that is really similar at all. You can say, well, they bought in, they bought um, Sucker Punch, right? Mm-hmm. But they bought Sucker Punch after Infamous 2, their last game on that system, on the PS3, and they bought it after Sucker Punch had done Sock Cooper 1, 2, and 3, Infamous 1 and Infamous 2. Five games exclusively with them that wouldn't have happened without Sony's money. True. And I think it's an inherently different thing in Sony doing that than Microsoft going... Because their their argument for Bethesda, right, is that they have always had a good working relationship with Bethesda, and I'm not denying that. They clearly have, and that's why they've often gotten small exclusivity windows or full-on exclusivity for console like they did with Morrowind. Um, Their Skyrim ran better on Xbox. They have better mod support on Xbox One. They clearly have had less a less fraught relationship with Bethesda than Sony has. And that's cool. And that still may make them a good fit to buy Bethesda. But that is not the same thing inherently. When Sony was bleeding, their, what they had to do was double down and make great games from their first-party studios and their long-time partnered studios that they eventually acquired. Uh, and that's just an inherently different thing than Microsoft buying all their studios. Again, not that it's wrong. No. It's just the comparison point's weird. And, and I don't think that Sony dominated by making them smaller in any of those actions. Now, you can say that they're... I'm sure Microsoft would say that it's Sony trying to make them smaller now, but Microsoft is already bigger than them, even if this deal doesn't go through. Well, that, Not even at Microsoft, Xbox is bigger. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going a, bit, a bit facetiously, because to me, I find it ridiculous of Microsoft being like, oh, they're trying to make us smaller, when, as you said, they're the biggest ones by far in terms of sheer volume, and they're owned by Microsoft. So it's something they can only say because they're losing the console war, but in, in with take coming out of that vacuum, it sounds ridiculous for if you blow it up, you know, if you were to say Sony says they're smaller than Microsoft, you would say, yeah, that's true. But the second you go, oh, they're trying to make Xbox smaller, then you're like, yeah, the PlayStation is in the lead. It's like, dog, you can't have this conversation. You, you're spending $69 billion on a whim. On a whim. You know, because if you even remember when they talk about that, that deal, they talk about how it came together in a matter of days, right? That they agreed to it. Mm-hmm. it you cannot be made smaller. Or at least I feel like I remember that. that I, yeah. I Fact check me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they talked about that. And um, you can't be made smaller by Sony if you can do that. Because Sony could never have purchased Activision. It, we would be looking at the Sony Activision PlayStation 5 if that if Sony and Activision were to come together. It's not something they could do. So it, inherently, Xbox cannot be made smaller by Sony. It's just ridiculous. So Microsoft can only make Sony smaller. And I think we've said on the show before, it's, it's by the whim of Phil Spencer that Sony even exists. Because if he wanted to, he could buy any, every, he could buy Sony and just shut them down. You know? Yeah, well, you know, or at least he could offer. Now, I, I, I don't know that I, I, I get where you're coming from. I get the sentiment of the statement, uh-huh. whether or not I agree with the with the veracity of it. Okay, um, but that's okay because uh, I do at least get the spirit of what you mean. Is that because of the money they have, and there is a world where he could offer and Sony could accept. Right. Doubtful that they would, but you never know. Honestly, with with businesses being what they are, and when they're publicly traded. A high enough offer just gets you out of the book in yeah. general. But I do wonder, uh, and I've always wondered, like what would be the dollar price for 
Sony to be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> we'll find out when <laughs> Apple buys them. But I'll I'll put my meta- yeah. I'll put my my I'll close my comments in the in in a metaphor. Right, this would be me, a professionally trained chef, and you having a cook off, and you cooking a burger better than mine, and me going, oh well, you're just trying to make me smaller. Like no, I fucked up. I'm just I'm the chef. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense actually. Now that I've said it out loud, but. <laughs> That's how I feel Chris. about it. It'd be like me being mad at you for making a better. Burger. So go- going at going at the core of the actual piece of news um, as you wrote it. Yeah. What do you take? What do you take of this? The idea that to sweeten the pot and make it look this reads to me, and I and I've seen it elsewhere. So this isn't even the way you wrote it. This reads to me that Microsoft is trying to appeal to Sony to get Sony to approve. And once Sony approves, they can say, oh, Sony approved, and Sony was the only reason this wasn't going through. And I'm not saying that isn't true. I don't know enough. But I definitely don't think it is. Definitely now that the FTC is involved. So I think when you look at it from that standpoint, as much as it reads that it's Microsoft trying to appease Sony by offering them and waiting for them to approve. And if they don't approve, mm-hmm. it can't move forward. I think that might be accidental editorializing by journalism. 100%. Because I, what it really is, is Microsoft offering these things to Sony, hoping that Sony will say yes. But even if they don't, the idea is that Microsoft's trying to make themselves look better in the face of both the FTC, I guess, and also the uh, the. I can't think of the name of the other one right now. CMA. Little, it's been a long day. Yeah, CNN. Yeah. Um, so with those things in mind, I think um, it's, it's a weird move. But the idea of it getting PlayStation Plus support, even if Sony were to do it, I, I'm very confused at how that would work. Is it that they would have the opportunity to bid on it and they'd still have to be accepted of a bid? There's no way that it would just be free. So what is the dollar amount? Is this just us not getting enough information of the deal? But it, it, I guess where... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I guess my opinion on it is more that this is... I don't think Microsoft is appealing to Sony with this. I think Microsoft is appealing to the public, and they're appealing to the FTC. Because if you look at the trajectory of all this, Sony should say yes to absolutely nothing. Because it's gone from, we promise, to, we promise three years, to, we promise a decade, to, we promise a decade, and you can put it on your subscription service. What, like, what is Microsoft going to offer tomorrow? You can put it on your subscription service. You can put it on your subscription service for free. You can have exclusive map packs and Starfield is coming out on PS5. Like, is that next? Like, <laughs> there is absolutely no reason for Sony to say anything. It's it's like when I, when we used, when I used to play stocks, right? I would buy a stock and, and most of the time I would hit and I would sell too early, Right. Sony's this this right here is selling too early. This is selling the thirty cent stock at three dollars, and in five hours that stock is at thirteen dollars. That that happened to me. Okay, I made three grand <laughs> on that deal, and then it was thirteen dollars uh, a few hours later. So there's no reason for Sony to accept at three dollars. They accept at ten. Yeah. They accept at thirteen, and they accept at fifteen. Right? There's the more they add concessions in public, the more people have to look at this and be like, Sony absolutely has to keep fighting. Jim, Jim Ryan, 
say what you want. He doesn't know how to hold a controller. He deserves a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that there's an angle in this of Sony also writing this out and saying no at this point just to make Microsoft look weak? Or do you think that that's even in their, their thought processes? No, I don't think they care. I think, I think Jim, Jim and Sony would love for this to get scuttled completely. I don't think that's a good move personally because then you just give Microsoft that much money. But, you know, because there's always a future. <laughs> to, to use elsewhere. Right, because y- you could think about it this way, right, where Microsoft could be like, we're going to give you $69 billion for everything to be on Game Pass day one, including your back catalog. And then they just get the same thing that they're doing now, right? But I don't know. I think they just have to play this out until they get the perfect deal. And I, it seems to me like the perfect deal is going to show up. But... And here we are with a question. Oh, hit, hit. what's you the can, question? You can give your butt if you want, but I think it's a perfect interjection Go ahead. point. Josh Ayers wrote into the show, longtime patron, longtime listener. He says, if you ran Sony, what deal would you take from Microsoft and accept? And I have been thinking about this since I've read it. And it's a hard if anything, I think putting yourself in those shoes really changes things. And if, all right, let me say this. If you put yourself yourself in those shoes genuinely and you really try and think of this from the, the perspective of being in Jim Ryan's position, mm-hmm. not being Jim Ryan, but being in his position, I don't think it's as clear as you think it is. I don't think anybody who thinks that they have a clear cut and dry answer in that, because I'm sure someone's like, I would have said, I, I would have accepted the the first thing of we promise that we'll keep call of duty on for a little while but i don't think that that's true no i i don't i think that that's a bad faith attempt at trying to put yourself in the position that's selling so, the stock again, at 50 cents being, let alone <laughs> if if you ran sony what deal would you take from microsoft and accept do you think you can even come up with a quick answer that you feel comfortable with i do because I think the only deal Sony accepts at this juncture is a is a deal Microsoft won't offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you I mean, I, now, but you also think they'll hold that close to their chest, or do you think they'll actually request it? I don't think they'll request it. Because I feel it. like, but I think, if, uh, yeah, agree. If you were to, if you look at the FTC's complaint, right, and Microsoft is sitting here like the FTC might be the ones who screw us, and the FTC has just said, we think you lied about Bethesda, right? If I'm Sony, the only thing I'm looking at now is nothing from Bethesda's exclusive, nothing from Activision's exclusive. We'll sign a we'll sign a document that's up to 20 years. We have the right to renew. Like the the amount of stuff that would have to go in Sony's favor for me to actually say yes to a deal right now when there's a legitimate chance it gets blocked entirely, it would have to be so good a deal that it would never happen. <laughs> I get your point. Like, um, do you know those? Do you know those ch- those people on YouTube and TikTok or whatever who do the like? I've got a penny. I'm going to trade it for Bill Clinton's house. You know those guys? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The trade up yeah, challenge. Exactly the trade up challenge. Yeah. So the only way you accept this deal is if I give you the penny for Bill Clinton's house. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been thinking on this since I read it, okay. uh, which is Monday. Um, and my initial gut reaction that I have not been able to shake, no matter how much I think about it, 
is that I don't know that you ever, I don't know that you accept. Nope. Because even though, to re-clarify, even though what we're talking about is Microsoft trying to appease regulation boards, in the long run, Sony accepting anything does does show that Sony agrees with Microsoft and that might soften the CMA or the FTC's position and let it happen. Um, which I'm assuming at that case, if Sony was trying to agree would be because they want it to happen or they're okay with it happening. But my real thing is I don't think that Sony wants it to happen. And so they can never accept a deal because it will only push forward a, a higher chance of this actually happening. Um, so if you're sitting in Jim Ryan's office right now and you're thinking about the way that this goes and how this impacts your business and you have full context, full understanding of how it genuinely impacts PlayStation and not our limited function understanding of, of the business side of these things. Yeah. Again, so outside looking in through that lens that I don't truly understand, I still feel like in this case and from what Sony's shown so far, the answer is no regardless. It's, it's no by principle. And they really won't change it. So I know yes. that that's technically a cheating answer and it's not an answer, but I think the answer is that Sony doesn't accept it because uh, even I just don't think they accept it at all because no matter what happens and it gives power over. And even if they can get something beneficial, even in a, in a long-term situation, what they still lose is Activision as a third-party publisher and Microsoft being that much stronger and having that much thing. And I don't even mean that for many reason other than let me take that away. I don't think it is, is matters about Microsoft being stronger. I think it matters about there being a smaller pool of things that Sony and and everyone else can equally buy for. Yeah, and I think that's what Sony's going for. And of course, it's to protect Call of Duty because they have successfully vied for Call of Duty for the last decade, um, when or you know for the last eight years at the very least. Um, so, with that in mind, I think that that's kind of where I'm going to end that one. Chris, do you want to add anything else to that? No, I think, not to make the conversation longer, but I was thinking about how it's an unknowable question, but it would be interesting to think about if the Xbox One, with all its faults, would have been successful if they'd renewed the Call of Duty deal. Because that would give us the truest test the truest testament of the power of Call of Duty. Because right now, we yeah. can blame the Xbox One's failure on... TV and sports and music, right? And connect. But imagine all of that. And then they're like, and this is the home of Call of Duty. That's the only way we could truly tell. And I don't know that it would have been successful, but I think a lot of the PS4 success was this Call of Duty deal and Microsoft's blunder. So how much of that is changed when, micro if, when Microsoft still has Call of Duty, right? I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. But you know, looking at it from the consumer side of things, if you were to ask me, like, and looking at this, like, going back to what I talked about with PlayStation being on their back during PS3, well, the reality is, is that I think we have we already have an answer, right? That if Microsoft pushed and worked towards things in the same way, mm -hmm. Xbox One could have been just as big a success as PS4. Because despite Call of Duty having exclusivity to 360 during the PS3 gen, the PS3 still eventually outsold it. Even if it never had outsold it, the fact that it caught back up and was neck and neck at all it's not a bad is, point. is incredibly impressive when you think about the same blunders, right? 
slow slow start, not enough exclusives mm-hmm. for the PS3 for the Xbox One. Same exact problem. Too expensive, more expensive than the competition by a considerable amount. Same problem. Same attempted fixes on the hardware side happened. Cut the piece of hardware that people don't really resonate with enough so that you can make the system cheaper. Okay, you kill Connect, you kill backwards compatibility. Both of those drop. Yeah. If That's anything, PlayStation PlayStation 3 was still considerably more expensive even after the price drop than Xbox One was after its price drop. So if you look at that and Sony can say, without Call of Duty, we were still able to do enough work to put this in and do that. It lessens the value of Call of Duty, but I think it strengthens the value of of, of going back to that talk about the only way PlayStation can remain dominant is to make Xbox smaller. No, PlayStation became dominant in the light of the biggest Xbox had ever been. That's a very good point. I'll grant you that. So, that kind of takes away my point. So, but no, I, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Because you're right. The, well, I think both are interesting to look at. Yours is still, I think it would be a really cool experiment if you could genuinely find a way to like look at how Xbox's success might have changed, even with their blunders, had Call of Duty stayed. It's a good question. Mm. But I think it's also important to note that they could have been successful anyway if they had put in a certain amount of work. Now, how that goes into the conversation of whether this deal should or should not go through or will or will not go through is, you know, there's there's some touchstones there. But uh, I I think it's time to move on. What do you think? Let's move on. All right. Next thing up, God of War is getting a TV show from Amazon, which we already knew, but nothing much is known about the show besides the fact that the show will be executive produced by Corey Barlog. It's still apparently a good way off. The show seems to be a retelling of the 20,000, 20, 2018 <laughs> game, <laughs> given the description. Uh, quote, when his beloved wife dies, Kratos sets off on a dangerous journey with his estranged son to spread her ashes from the highest peak, his wife's final wish that is how the new show's description reads um so we'll we'll definitely uh, it'll be interesting to see here and the only comment i want to make here is something i've kind of said before and it really is not a value um uh, judgment on the shows um but it's more of my personal excitement for a god of war show and a the last of us show that just tell the same story i've already experienced is very hard to get excited about Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are very excited about The Last of Us, and I'm glad they are. And if you want to watch the show and it ends up being good, I'm happy. And I'm sure it will be good. But my interest to want to – we talked about the apathy bar earlier. Yeah. The apathy bar is too low for me to want to – the barrier for that, I can't get past it because I know the story. There's not much you can do. Even if you add some context to here and there, you're not going to drastically change this story. Therefore, my interest and need to watch it is significantly lower. Um, And I I find that to be a really interesting choice because clearly I'm wrong because a lot of gamers are interested in watching the show. But my thought process is you're alienating people who were already fans of your game that were a built-in audience so that you can just bring in new people, which is okay. But clearly I'm just uh, an outlier opinion on this. It seems like a lot of people want to relive the story of the show uh, despite having played the game even as recently as six months ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm way more interested in the Last of Us show than the God of War show personally. But I think... 
the excitement for it's it's weird because this might be a little hypocritical, but I think I'm excited for The Last of Us because I showed my girlfriend who is not currently a gamer the, that trailer and she was excited to watch it. Like we're planning on watching yeah. it every Sunday, right? And I can't imagine showing her Idris Elba painted up like Kratos and having her be like, that looks cool. I just like that's my biggest problem with it. Social experiment that you should do with Sadie. Yeah. Show her the trailer for The Last of Us remake. Okay. Or The Last of Us from PS3. Actually, show her the one from The Last of Us PS3. Yeah. See if she's still interested in just that trailer alone. Okay. And I think you'll... I'm mainly curious because it it both proves my point while also showing that what I said was they're pull, they're trying to pull in people who may have heard of it or are interested in the concept, but without necessarily wanting to do the games, yeah, um, or at least not wanting to start with the games. But it's it's definitely weird because like if you're telling me the next five years of Sony's uh, PlayStation shows and movies are just retellings of the games, my excitement for that i the idea of PlayStation uh, productions has gone down dramatically for me personally. I would um, agree. I think some of that hinges on specifically on the next Uncharted movie. Because the Uncharted movie tries something new while clearly strongly referencing existing things from the game. Yeah. And like I said, I like that movie, so. Yeah, I know you do. And honestly, I think part of my thing was this the same issue, the idea of this just feels too familiar, so it's mm-hmm. not fun or exciting in any real way. Um, but that's a me problem, clearly. <laughs> clearly. So for those of you who will undoubtedly be excited about that news, I'm happy for you. That's all I can truly say. And uh, it doesn't mean I won't try and watch both of them, and maybe my opinion will change. But it's going to have to get past that apathy barrier to begin with, and that's going to take a lot because so far the last of his trailers, while looking good, they look like something I can acknowledge is good that doesn't interest me to watch. Exactly. So I understand. Uh, all right. Well, here we are at the game awards. TGA. And this is, this is the, this is a big moment. Uh, so clearly there was a lot that was shown at the game awards. And I think to some degree, I don't really find the value in personally going through every single, um, announcement. Now, Chris, you are a co-host of this show. I want to get your judgment on that. Do you like the idea of going through each, uh, you know, one of these and giving your value judgment on it? Or do we really just want to look at the things that we found interesting and or exciting? Well, I guess it's up to you, but I think that just going through them all, it's like, because we did it with um, one of the shows last year and we were just like, yeah, that looks fine. And then we moved on. You know, I think that's a fine Mm -hmm. way to go about it. But however you want to do it. No, we can do a kind of quick fire that way because we do have some questions in relation to this, and a lot of them are about what was shown at the tea, at the uh, the game boards. I think what we can kind of do is go through them in a way that we can respond with these questions to break them up as they make sense. Correct. Um, so we'll kind of look at it from that way. Um, <clears throat> so going into it that way, I think uh, to get the recap started, we have. Final Fantasy 16 getting a new trailer and finally giving us a release date of June 2023 
And that means that if Final Fantasy VII Part Two, a rebirth as it's called, is still winter 2023, that we are potentially going to have quite the big Square Enix year. Yeah. If anything, though, this being in June makes me think that Rebirth is going to get scooched to 2024. December. It's got to be December. <laughs> we'll see. Sorry. We will I gotta pick up, see. I got to pick up Banger in my bench just to be safe. <laughs> uh, with that said, the trailer looked phenomenal. I think I this game looks better and better every single time I see it. I cannot wait. Looks great. Yeah, it, it genuinely looks amazing. Um, from Software are shaking it up and moving away from uh, their recent shaking splash it, of more Souls-like it. game and going back to a longtime favorite of longtime From Software fans with Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. When we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Saul, at the first moment, that they said something exciting and then it came up and it said Bandai Namco. Saul said, Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see just a picture of like the world on fire with lava and he goes, It's armored core. And I was like, watch it not be armored core. And of course it was. He was dead on the money. But <laughs> it looks cool, but I've never played an armor core game. Uh that's uh, that's one of my big blind spots in gaming. I've never played one. I I kind of know what they're about, but I don't really have a strong sense of exactly how they play. I mean they're mech games, they're yeah. mission based mech games. Uh but this is cool. I think it's a big thing because a, a developer like FromSoft moving from a very well-known and well-selling uh, idea of their, you know, their, their kind of Soulsborne style games. Uh, this is a big move. And I think it's something people have been asking for. But just because people ask for it doesn't mean it gets supported. So I'm really curious mm-hmm. to see how this actually does get supported. Any thoughts on this? No, I'm not an Armored Core person, but, you know... All of you people who prayed this into existence, Fallout 3 Remaster PS5. Fallout 3 Remaster PS5. (laughs) If they can do it, you can too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, this next one is uh, is amazing, and I was really curious to see what it was. Hades 2 got announced with a gameplay Ah, trailer. And, you know, as soon as we were seeing it, I was like, is this DLC? What is this? It's clearly Hades. And uh, Hades too. I thought that was quite an interesting idea. And as far as I can tell, it's the first time that mm-hmm. they have done a sequel at Super Giant. I did not think this was going to be Hades too, Because you watch that beginning. Hold on. Sorry, this is taking longer than I thought it would. <laughs> there it Release! Leave him! <laughs> so the demon's in my house. Like, leave him but um, no, go ahead i thought it was going to be a new ip because they show that silhouette of the witch and the girl and they're all doing this little weird toe dancing and doing circles and crop circles and stuff and i was like okay this is going to be a new ip whatever and then the second like i actually saw the characters i was like oh shit hades <laughs> yeah no the moment that i saw uh persephone talking i was like well this is definitely hades yeah but then it was a question of like, is this DLC? What is this? Right. Because um, it, it felt too 
long since mm-hmm. Hades for it to be DLC, but there's been stranger things that have happened in gaming. Yeah. So true. I was like, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but oh. no, this looks excellent. Truly. Hades is a great game. And I know for anyone who knows, anyone who's going to say it, I need to go back and get the actual ending of Hades by beating the game 10 times. Come on, 10 dog. clears. I've done it once. I enjoyed the experience. I needed to move on to other things. No, you didn't. But hey, there is a there is a trophy competition coming up this year, if you haven't heard. Uh, so maybe it's a good time to hop back in and get that platinum, baby. <laughs> um, before we go too much further, because I think it was in the pre-show, I want to make a point. Brett, I have been on this show for months saying that Sony should buy the studio who makes Dead Cells, Motion Twin, correct? And have them be on And have them make yes. Castlevania. And nobody wants to give me my flowers for... Motion Twin making a Castlevania DLC for, for Dead Cells. <laughs> I heard yeah. that and I was like, I am a goddamn savant. <laughs> <laughs> you keep telling yourself that, but I will give you, it looks cool. Bloodborne 2 is coming. Blue Point. I've been right oh, before. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to look and find that because uh, I, I think it is in this. Because another one of the, if I'm not mistaken, another one of the pre-show things was um, the Hellraiser. Yeah. Um, no, not Hellraiser. Hellboy game. Hellboy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's quite a bit of stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dead Cells Return to Castlevania DLC arriving next year, uh, and that's a, a very obvious. I mean, I think they would be a great developer to actually have work on a real Castlevania game. Yeah. This is also not the first time they've done a Castlevania DLC once before. Did they? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not new. This is clearly just coming back around. That's why it's called return to Castlevania as far as I can tell. So, uh, with all that in mind, the let's go back to where we were here. The next game up that is on this recap list that we are using IGN.com for just to make it easy and quick. Ken Levine's next game, which has been being worked on for so long. <laughs> Judas has finally been revealed. Now, this is a good news, bad news situation. It oh, has yeah. been revealed. Not a single idea of a date was given, if yeah, I recall. 2026. That doesn't bode well. This yeah. seemed like a kind of shit or get off the pot moment, and they decided to shit, but they made it an upper decker. Uh, they didn't wipe. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, the game looks awesome. I saw a lot of people being like, well, this just looks like Bioshock, Bioshock which, yeah. If you, <laughs> Bioshock looked like System Shock 2, which looked like every, this is Ken Levine style of games. He's been making them for a long time. I'm not surprised. Mm. Um, I don't think this is a bad thing. Starfield looks like Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Wow. There's not (laughs) even something to say this can't be in the Bioshock universe because of the way that universe works. Uh, Not that I think it's the way they're going to go since as far as I know, they have a new studio working on a new Bioshock game. They do. Cloud Chamber. But we'll have to see how that actually plays out. Um, I just don't think that they would make Judas a Bioshock game while still working on Bioshock. But... It depends because Deathloop in many ways is a dishonored game mm-hmm. and part of that universe, despite the fact that apparently Xbox has some interest in returning to the dishonored universe and making a new game, which would be hype. I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing, I, the my favorite thing ever that Xbox could do would be to buy Bethesda and then be like, yeah, even though it didn't sell well enough, you can keep making dishonored. Yeah. <laughs> that would... 
I feel like I in, doubt it's going to happen. That it's way, not going to happen. But in the way of that Dishonored is a bio is a, or I'm sorry, that Deathloop is a Dishonored game. This could be a Bioshock game where it's just like there's a lighthouse in it at some point, and that's your that's your callback. You could have anything. Yeah. You could have any callback, right? But there's yeah, a I mean, plane you could definitely floating in the water <laughs> in space. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it looks cool visually. It looks awesome. But this kind of has that same problem as a lot of things where I don't feel like it gave a real... Like, it, it was... I am going on memory here, so correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm actually going to click play here just so I can see. But they don't really show gameplay. They show the world. They show what looks like it could be gameplay, but it also looks like it might just be CGI to show what gameplay is supposed to look like. So it's really hard to kind of judge. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, because I think Avowed kind of did the same thing, where it's like, we're going to try and show you our idea of how we want it to look. Um, so this potentially could be really cool, and I have faith in the game. But it's been in development for so long that I wouldn't be surprised if there are people that are a little cagey on it. Do you have any thoughts on this? Are you a big Bioshock fan? I like it fair fine enough. Um, I'll definitely uh, play this, because I think it looks really cool. The concept seems fun. But... It's it's nebulous. It doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I actually know exactly what you mean, sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, interestingly enough, Alana Pierce tweeted out that she saw this trailer six years ago. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. She says she, she saw the Judas trailer six years ago. If it's this exact trailer, which there's almost no way, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's this. the same ideas. Yeah. Ooh, man. That's well, what she you know, said. This has been in development for, what, like eight years now? Like the team has been working since Bioshock Infinite, if I remember. Yeah, something like that. That's a long time. Bioshock Infinite was tw- 2012, 2011, maybe. Might have even been 2013. It was fairly late into the PlayStation cycle. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's crazy. Uh, Death Stranding 2 officially Bro. announced. And I will tell you right now, do not watch the trailer if you have not played the first game and have no. any interest in so doing. But boy, what a trailer. The entire table at Yu-Gi-Oh! Night was hype besides... Well, it was still hype, but Saul's brother Seth has not played Death Stranding 1, and he had just bought the the uh, <laughs> director's edition to play. <laughs> and then this trailer came on, and I was like, don't watch just don't, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, but I good. was, I, I keep watching it. I've watched it like four times. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Ah, the, the, dude, Death Stranding is one of the craziest games because I understand why people hate it as much as I understand why people love it, and I and that they're different. They're different groups of people. <laughs> They are entirely different groups. This is not like a love-hate relationship. This is a you love it or you hate it. You don't love and hate it depending on what's going on. Um, Death Stranding is an anomaly of a game, and I'm so stoked that it's getting a sequel. Because I was, you know, even whenever they had Norman Reedus talking about it, I kind of kept having this thought in the back of my head of like, I don't know, though. The game apparently did not performed the expectations. But then whenever it got the director's cut, I thought maybe this is their chance to try and give it a new market to come to. Maybe they're expecting Xbox people to shift over and there's going to be a new pool. Maybe it'll be that it's an early enough PS5 game. Whatever it be, this is cool. Uh, did you see that uh, Kojima was talking about how 
prior, you know, after the end of Death Stranding, he had already had a script basically worked out and mocked up for Death Stranding 2 that once COVID hit, he, he completely it. trashed and rewrote it. Yeah. Uh, from scratch. And there's a line in that trailer. And it's such a cool like question and the way that they show it with all the visuals around it and the presentation where it's like, should we have connected? I know. I loved that. I was like, oh my God, this is cool. But you know, I don't, it, it's funny because I know the game is from 2019, but I, I don't want to talk about Death Stranding enough to spoil anything. So I feel like we need to move on. <laughs> all <laughs> I got to say is that I'm, I'm very excited and it looks excellent. Yeah, I'm super in. The guitar. All right, let's see. The guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Wild. Uh, Let's go. All right, speaking of of Idris Elba, (laughs) (laughs) he joins Cyberpunk 2077 uh, Phantom Liberty, which is the DLC for the, of course, Cyberpunk game. Um, It is its major expansion, and he will be joining Keanu Reeves in the cast. He will be playing a U.S. veteran named Solomon Reed and is apparently the only person players can trust to help them fulfill an impossible mission of espionage and survival. I like this casting. I like Idris Elba. I do like Idris. I already liked him. And then he knocked Knuckles out of the park and it just made me like him more. Yeah. Good for my guy. Yeah. Do you think so, I need yeah, your cool. power? Oh, I love that <laughs> shit. That, dude, that was a hype trailer. That's so good. It just was. Oh my God. I want to watch that movie again just to hear him be Knuckles. Oh, it's so good. My favorite thing is that you get to see, you get to hear him be badass knuckles and mm-hmm. then you get to hear him say shit like, "So this is what you <laughs> humans call baseball." I, like, <laughs> I can't even do the but it, it's so ridiculous. I think uh, but the, I love it. The best It's way, like you get to see him go from being like badass sounding to sounding so fucking innocent. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best way for them to counter how cool knuckles sounds is to make sure the next character that they tease in that movie is voiced by Michael Sarah. So here's the problem. That would be the funniest thing they could possibly. It's do. not even a problem. This is here is here's what's happening and here's the answer. Okay. I had already kind of thought this and I think we've had a conversation about this in the past and we landed on it. This is going to be best horse. But <laughs> this is no this is self-fulfilling prophecy. Now that Idris Elba is joining Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk, Keanu Reeves is going to voice Shadow in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> and it all will be right with the world. Michael Sarah would be objectively funnier, but I wouldn't hate. Oh, it would be funnier, but but Shadow's the ultimate life form. He's not funny. Actually, he's kind of funny, but in a dry way. Yeah, I don't think that, that's Michael Sarah. But I would love to see Michael Michael Sarah, Sarah voicing do... Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god! Michael Sarah could voice all the uh, animals that pop out. Of the stuff at the end of the levels, yeah, that would be funny. Yay. No, uh, Phantom Liberty looks great though. Going back to Cyberpunk, I uh, I'm very excited for it because I feel like this has the chance to launch and be what Cyberpunk could have been at launch and have that kind of reverie around it without yeah. much of the stigma. But we'll see because there's things I want to see them do that I because I didn't play Blood and Wine or Heart of Stone or whatever it was called for Witcher. I don't know how much they really mess with the mechanical foundations of the game. 
surely they do a little bit just for the story they're telling, but I kind of hope they add in some of the things that they arguably failed to put in the main game. Like one thing I have to remember is that you could like walk up on police arresting people and you could kill the police that was arresting them, but then you couldn't like uncuff the person, Mm -hmm. save them or anything. And I was like, it felt like the role playing aspect kind of falling apart a little bit where it's like, if I can stop the arrest, why can't I free the person? Yeah. That's so fair. I'm hoping that ideas like that kind of make their way into this game and that they think about ways that they failed or at least slipped up on mechanics in the, the main game. Uh, the main game still a, a GOAT game. I still love it. I want to replay it. I just have too much to do right now. I saw this trailer and I was like, I guess I got to start it over again. <laughs> I'm telling you. As soon as I saw it too, I was like, fuck, I want to play Cyberpunk so bad right now. Uh, but it looks like we got some time because it's still a 2023 release. Uh, next thing up, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Bomb bomb. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> no. um, this was clearly going to be here. But what I will add to that is the trailer looks really good to me. Mm-hmm. Really good. And I thought the trailer looked good for the first one, clearly. But even with kind of reference point to the first game in here, I think this looks uh, really good and that they learned most of the lessons of the first game. Um, I I know you're kind of indifferent on the first game in some ways. Like you enjoyed it, but you didn't want to finish it. Correct. Did this trailer do anything to move you? No, not really. It looks good. I'll definitely play it because I'll probably have access to it, but I don't think I'll buy it personally. Yeah, your your respawn fanboyness is not kicking in enough. Um, maybe if I'd played Apex in the last year, I would probably feel more like that. But I don't really want to play that game right now, so I think I've fallen off the uh, the respawn bandwagon. Uh oh, Chris, how dare you? <laughs> now, <laughs> next game up, Diablo Four uh, arrives in June of 2023, which is great because it's basically alongside Death Stranding 2. I have a great birthday month as long as none of these dates actually push out, yeah. which comes into a question to be said here. And actually, I think this is a great time to kind of slide this question in because we have a lot of games that we've talked about so far that have hard dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rude Days 93, patron of ours, who went to patreon.com slash nartech, gave as little as a dollar per month. He says... We got a lot of hard release dates, and I would argue they're not hard. They are release dates, and I guess they're hard in the sense that they gave them a real date instead of just a month or a, a window. But he says we got a lot of hard release dates at the Game Awards. So what right now is your hype level for gaming going in to 2023? And I don't know why, but my cynicism from the last year of games towards release dates is finding it, I'm finding it very hard to kick that cynicism. So my hype is high, but here's, here's my hype and my cynicism was about here and now it's just like here. So my hype is still higher than my cynicism Mm -hmm. and it's overtaken my cynicism, but I don't know, man. Some of these games, I don't think they're going to hit. No. Man, yeah, I could see I that. Oh, sorry. Death Stranding Two did not get a release date. Is your hype level high, or do you have a, a do you have a sneaking suspicion that delays will 
somewhat I mean, now or that. I think delays are going to happen because in the end it was a lot of June, June, March, 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 June, June. And we know that every game that got delayed for 2022 got delayed into February. So the mar- the calendar is going to have to spread itself out a bit, I think. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's going to be a better year than I think the last two years have been. I think the last two years have been pretty disappointing in terms of games. Um, so I'm definitely interested in seeing if it improves over what the last two years have been. And I think it will. I think there's a lot of bangers next year. Like I look at I look at both of our lists of stuff that we predicted would be good, and I'm like I'm excited for all of these. Like Baldur's Gate three getting a release date or at least a release year, and you know Street Fighter six is in June. Starfield's in 2025. You know Destiny Lightfall is supposed to be excellent. You know, there's a lot of stuff coming next year that I'm excited to see. So, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped up. I'm pretty hyped to see it. Yeah, Diablo Four looks awesome. Um, I think Halsey is uh, a pretty lady with a good voice, so I actually didn't mind that, <laughs> that thing. And apparently, it's a song for the game. So, chalk it up. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, that game looks awesome, though. I've been very excited for it. The question becomes: Which of my friends are going to play this with me? Will you, <laughs> listener, play this with me? Because I'm going to play a lot of this, and I can almost guarantee that Donovan will play a lot of this, yeah. uh, and and likely with me. Uh, but Chris, do you have any hype for Diablo? Nah, I'll play it, but I'm not going to get hyped over it. <laughs> Did you play Diablo three at all? Yeah, I played a good amount. I almost uh, went for the platinum, but then just got bored. It's a lot of bounties you have the to do. The platinum is yes, it's mean. It's a grind. <laughs> And I love that game, but there we are. Uh, Street Fighter Six got a release date with June second, twenty twenty three, being the release date. June is looking like a thick month. Uh, I don't personally care about Street Fighter Six. No comment, Chris. I'm, I'm excited. I like I like fighting games. I don't know when I'll play it, but it looks cool. I like the art style. Okay. I know a lot of people did not, but come to a big moment in the night, at least from a, a, a fan standpoint, of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League uh, having Kevin Conroy in the game as Batman, uh, what will likely be his last role in a video game, at the very least, uh, as Batman. And the trailer looked pretty good. It also raises a ton of questions for me because as far as I understood, this game was set in the world of Arkham. Yeah. And... Arkham considers Batman to be dead. Does do they? Yeah. Unless, unless it was all a you know an all a ploy. You know the the secret ending for Arkham um, Knight. If you do the hundred percent, do you hear him breathing the, in the rubble? <laughs> I don't think you know it blows. I don't remember seeing anything like that. No, but that was a massive. As we job. all know, anything can happen. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, here we are. So, yeah, I think this is cool, and I'm glad to see it, and I'm glad to hear it, but I'm also confused. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, I've got the answer. Okay. Even though it's in that world, somehow, some way, this has become Flashpoint. <laughs> Wonderful. Can't wait. <laughs> DC's nah, built an excuse. For, uh, yeah, yeah, right. It can always be Flashpoint. Uh, God, I hope but, we see Jeffrey Dean yeah. Morgan, Batman, and Flash. Oh. That'd be actually pretty interesting. Really, would be more interesting to see uh, Laura okay. Cohen's Joker because Laura Cohen is. <laughs> All yeah. right, Tekken Eight. Um, yep, Tekken Eight. 
of course, they showed off a lot of the Mario movie. As a, that was weird. I, it wasn't weird. Clearly, it's a gaming event, but I, it felt like they took a long time on it. So if you're excited for Mario, maybe it didn't feel like a long time. That's what I'll say. Uh, yeah, Tekken 8 gets uh, essentially a new trailer. Chris. Hi. Same thing. You're excited for it just in the sense that you like fighting games, but yeah. you don't know when you'll play it? I don't know when I'll play it. Okay, here's the big question, Chris. Are you excited for Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shore? Yes. I am quite excited to play the continuation of this first-party Sony game. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks fine. Uh, Hollywood sign, cool. Look, I know myself well enough to know that I didn't play the Frozen Wilds. I have a feeling I'm not going to play this. I liked the Forbidden West. I enjoyed it enough to get the Platinum, which is my thing for you know saying that I do love a game in, in some real capacity. But I don't know that I'm ready to enter that world again this soon. That's personally. fair. I can understand that. At least not in that way. I'm more willing to enter that world through Call of the Mountain because it's a change in perspective and therefore a change of how you truly interact with the world. Like even though you use a bow, it's going to really change because of how you're interacting with that bow and how they're going to incorporate that into the gameplay. Um, so yeah, the only way I see myself going anytime soon is going to be Call of the Mountain, uh, assuming that I do decide to push forward with my VR to purchase, which I think I will because I have enough points to do so. I respect that. Um, next thing, Crash Team Rumble is a new 4v4 multiplayer game coming in 2023. And it will task players with leading their squad to victory as they slide, smash, bump, and bash as a team to be the first to bank the most Wumper Fruit in their drop-off zone while simultaneously defending the opponent's team's drop zone. So the thing about this game is I like I love Crash. I have a huge affinity for him. And a lot of the character appeal is on play here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just not personally the type of game I wanted out of it. I know that Crash has long had this thing where it gets to be this Mario-like game because it was, in many ways, that competitor for um, Nintendo or for Sony against Nintendo and Mario. And while it's certainly made some great games like Crash Team Racing, um, I'm personally not interested in in this. I really would have preferred to see more platforming. Yeah, this didn't look good at all to me. It's more to me that it looks fine, I personally am not sure who it's for. Surely it's for someone. Mm. I just, I'm not connected to that at all. So it's hard to gauge, uh, but that's okay. Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2 gameplay revealed. This is a sick trailer. It was a cool trailer. And all Warhammer trailers are sick. And I've yet to play a single Warhammer game in my life. I remember playing a little bit of Space Marine when I was younger, but not enough that I got excited. The PS3 one? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, this is this looks cool, and I may even try it. But it's you know it's that thing of where I know I've said that before about a Warhammer game, and I've never been able to get myself to pull the trigger on one. Um, all right, Celeste Creators' next game, Earthblade, gets a first look trailer. This game looks awesome. It basically turning Celeste into a Metroidvania game. Yeah, it does so look similar really action or similar platforming, but with more action stuff involved. Um, very excited to see how that plays out. Also a big fan of that art style. 
Yeah, I liked it. So I'm very happy there. Uh, let's see. Bayonetta Origins. Don't Cereza care. and the Lost Demon announced. I also don't care. Though it was really interesting to see Bay- Bayonetta take on this kind of art style. <laughs> um, but I guess that means that Bayonetta has been doing well enough and Nintendo believes in it well enough that they can keep doing this. So yeah. cool for them, at least. Uh, taking this idea of, Beth- of uh, Bayonetta and putting it within the Okami-looking world that they did could pay off well. Um, Hellboy is getting a stylish video game adaptation. Uh, so it will be available for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. This game is said to be a roguelite action adventure with an original story, which I'm glad to see. Uh, and I think it's a good fit for that world. I can see this being a really easy side-scroller game to pull those mechanics off and do something interesting with. So time will tell how that actually turns out. Um, But this does lead us to another thing here. Uh, There's a question that we got where TTDog666 says, given that the PS5 and Series X launched over two years ago now, how disappointed were you to still see the trailers at the Game Awards with PS4 and Xbox One logos on display? Chris, I'm going to hand that to you first. I hate it. <clears throat> Do so I can ask to why? Bury the past. Kill it if you must. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It came back around. Can um, you believe it? Would you mind expounding on that a bit? I think... Look, the reality for me is that the PS4 5 came out in 2020. It is about to be 2023. Why are we still putting out PS4 games? Because look, the reality is you look at it and you go, okay, what was even the point? Like up to today, yeah. what was the point? Demon Souls? Returnal? Like in Ratchet and Clank, like not good enough. <laughs> so I mean, fair point. Like it's 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 hard to look at. Like oh yeah, I guess Death Death Loop and uh, Ghostwire. Okay, I mean there you go. But like th- I'm not even gonna sit here and act like there's not games on the PS5 that are exclusive. But there's yeah at this point in the life cycle, it should be MLB 23 the show and and Madden are the only games coming out on PS4. Because that's what it would have well, been every other generation. So, I feel like you're striking on what it is for me, actually, in this, in that a lot of the games that I feel like are still getting this treatment, and surprisingly, uh, Warhammer is not one of them, despite fitting the bill of what I was about to say, a lot of the games doing that route still seem to primarily be double-A, lower-budget games. Games that I don't think can afford to take the risk to the same degree to miss out on a audience of, you know, 150 million plus units sold. And I think that that's kind of what comes along with this. And it's why you still don't see certain systems giving or certain games giving up Switch mm-hmm. because it's such a big platform to potentially go on to that you don't re- you'll deal with the the effort issue of trying to get the game working well on Switch to reach that. Uh, platform and arguably switch is harder to develop for than ps4 and xbox one so if you're going to develop for switch why not just develop for xbox one and ps4 and have three-pronged approach of 100 plus million switches and 150 plus million ps4 and xbox one to release on so i guess what i'd say is i am disappointed to see it 
because I too am part of the people who got a PS5. But one thing I've seen too is a lot of our listeners are talking about how they just recently got a PS5. Uh, and with that in mind, it kind of can remind you that there are people that still don't have PS5s readily available mm. who have wanted one and have not been able to easily get one. Now, if this is a year where that starts to get eased up, um, it's, it's unfortunate that they're still going to have that. But I also can sympathize with the developers and or publishers because some of them are likely developers choosing themselves to publish on those systems to try and make yeah, money. Yeah, I, I sympathize with that. I just think it's a new generation and you might not be able to get the console. And that sucks. I think that's awful. But I just don't think that... I don't, th- I don't understand why you release a console and then there's three years into the life cycle which you know in a lot of ways probably almost is it's getting it's probably almost halfway over right so like what's the point i guess i'm being a little aggressive but you know what i mean we're getting towards like the rumors for the ps6 kind of type time in in a lot of ways so i don't know to me it just seems like very late to still be releasing big games that aren't madden and mlb on the the past gen console Okay. I mean, fair enough. Um, I, you know, I don't really have much else to say besides that. Though I get anyone, I sympathize with both sides. I get oh, I anyone who wishes that they were getting that, but I also sympathize with both consumers and developers who want opportunity on those well, systems. My opinion is a privileged opinion. I understand that. I have a PS5, yeah. so yeah, I don't want any more games on PS4 because they don't matter to me. But I also think three years in, it's in in a lot of ways for a lot of games, kind of embarrassing to still be doing PS PS3. But again, place of privilege. A lot of people won't agree with me and I understand why. So yeah. Uh, next game up is actually one that went from oh. feeling kind of weird to me actually thinking was an interesting idea. Uh, I don't think it's a great name. Crime boss, rock a city announced Dude. with cast, including Chuck Norris, Danny Trejo and vanilla ice. Uh, so this is going to be published by 505 Games, uh, and it has got quite the star-studded cast. Uh, my favorite reveal was Danny Glover as gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Norris is Morris. So the game is like a stealth action first-person shooter, and it has players ostensibly becoming leaders of a like underworld crime family. Hence the name Crime Boss Rock A City. Uh, in a fictional version of 90s Florida. And this is going to sound weird, but my way of viewing it at first went from, okay, this is going to be a little more serious. And then as it kept going on, I started thinking two things. And Saul said the words that I was already thinking. Saul was like, this is what the new Saints Row should have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then my thought process was this is kind of like taking the idea of Retro City Rampage, bumping it up 10 years, and making it 3D. It's the same basic idea where it's like it's so over the top and it's lampooning the the Grand Theft Auto style games while also referencing all this culture and bringing all these people in for the value of them being in. Like Danny Glover being essentially Murtaugh. Danny Glover, Roger Murtaugh, yeah. (laughs) Too over this shit. Um yeah, so I, I think that this is an interesting idea. I don't think the game looks exceptional from like a gameplay standpoint. I think it looks fine. And I think that its cast, its its craziness, and how 
quickly it is to just lampoon things is going to I think this game will do better than people expect. Uh-huh. I I do too, but I'm going to be honest with you, the more I watched this trailer, the more I was like this game is going to be awful. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was all the big actors felt like they were hiding something with the actual game. It's like Danny Glover's in this. By the way, you can't shoot the guns. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, remember yeah. Vanilla Ice? The cars don't work. You know, like I'm being a little facetious here, but it just it screamed to me of like what it's going to end up. This game is like a four hour walking sim kind of thing. Well, the way I kind of think I would take that and I can look at it and playing devil's advocate see as being an issue with, that people look at this game is that the game's trailers almost scream surface level. Yeah. Because unlike Saints Row, which eventually started pulling real actors into their games and referencing them and stuff, it built up to that to a degree. Mm-hmm. And it built on its craziness and then kind of, kind of game on cross. Uh, and this game is coming out of the gate doing that. Now, I think that there's a fair way to look at that and say this game realized that it could do that because of Saints Row's history and what they could do coming up into it. But I could see someone looking at this feeling like it's an unknown quantity and then feeling like, eh, this is too surface level, which gives me pause for what the substance the game may actually hold. Um, but we'll, time will tell. I think it being first person is honestly in its favor as well, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> That's fair, too. I'm definitely going. Uh, I'm fascinated by it. I am fascinated. That's actually a great word. I'm fascinated by it. I don't think that I care to play it. But I'm interested in it. Yeah. It was like in our Discord. I think I said I went from no interest to what the fuck is it, is this, but still not interested. <laughs> so we'll definitely see how it, how it comes out. It could be cool. If it's like what you said, if yeah. it's Retro City's <sighs> Rampage, but like in first person, I'm in. I'm super in because that game's awesome. Yeah. It's a real crazy game. I'm, I, I remember playing the hell out of that on Vita. You should play the um, new one. It has a platinum. Shakedown Miami. What's it called? Shakedown. That's right. I do remember that. I didn't, great. I didn't play it though. Um, next thing on the list, Lords of the Fallen gets its gameplay reveal for its reboot. And I like how it says for Souls-like reboot, like the original game was not a Souls-like. Uh, IGN, check yourself or you wreck yourself. <laughs> anyway, so this idea, or this game is clearly following the same idea of being a Souls-like game set in this little fictional world. And it's kind of rebooting, at least as far as it seems, these things. I'm not going to lie, this trailer looked awesome. <laughs> and I was quite the fan of Lords of the Fallen already. I don't think it was a perfect game, but I've long said it was the first Souls-like game not made from, from software that I think was remotely successful at pulling something off. Um it was also one of the first to attempt it, so it's not like it had a lot of competition. Yeah. Um, but this looks like it could be good, despite years of development hell for Lords of the Fallen 2. Not necessarily what this game is, but the idea of a follow-up to Lords of the Fallen 2. Um, I don't know, Chris, you're so hit or miss. You, you never, as far as I know, went back and did Mortal Shell. No, I did not. Any interest in this at all? I'm just going to not buy it. <laughs> so... Here's my question, though. You went back to Sekiro. Yeah. And you loved it. Yeah. 
has that not made you at all curious about going back to all these other Souls-like games and seeing if they grip you? No, or do because you think I fell that Sekiro's interesting enough on its own? Oh, fair. After Sekiro. I'm fairly sure if I hadn't declared on this show that I would be getting the Platinum, I don't know that I would have finished or Platinum did. Well, I probably would have, but that definitely pushed me over the edge of you being like, I don't know, man, that's pretty hard. And me being like, fuck you, I'm getting it. Like, (laughs) I think that's what really pushed it. Because there was a point where I would. To be seen. honest, when I said that, I the whole point of me saying that was to try and see if I could goad you into <laughs> becoming so obstinate that you just get it anyway. And I did. But even with that, I still didn't think you were gonna get it. If I'm being honest, like, <laughs> it was to push you towards getting it. But then I didn't believe you'd get it. Yeah. And then you did. So you're you proved me wrong, you bowhole. The greatest. Uh, game ever. All right, let's get through the rest of these pretty quick. Since you didn't like that one. Last of Us Part One PC release set to March. Sounds great. Fifty dollars instead of seventy dollars on PC. Wow. Interesting. Cool. Ha, it should have always been fifty dollars, is what I think. Yeah. Uh, Returnal announced for PC. Okay. Quick, easy, makes sense. Well, hold on. Did you uh, see the both of those games? Did you see the ridiculous recommended requirements for Returnal? I, I was just about to say that both of those games have pretty high requirements. <laughs> Thirty-two gigs of RAM for Returnal. Go fuck yourself. That's not a real computer. Come on. Now hold on. Just so I know for sure, was that recommended or minimum? Recommended. Okay, that's not as bad. That's if the way they like want you to play. Twenty-four. Well, know. recommended just means it's the ideal to get the the optimal experience. That's what I'm minimum saying. Minimum means that it's what you have to have to at least play it. But optimum experience on PC is very different. Well, normally with this being a port, it's hard to say. The Most minimum, of the PC ports are minimum is sixteen. That's what I thought. Yeah, half, which makes sense. Um, let's see. Uh, I feel like it would be wrong to not talk about uh, the <laughs> the Elden Ring speech. I know it's not a reveal, <laughs> but it is in this document, and I feel like it's a, a talk-worthy thing. My favorite part was watching the internet show the dichotomy of man where half the people were like, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. He should have gotten... Should have been shot in the head. And then other people being like, this was more interesting than most of the night. Yeah. (laughs) And then people... And then watching people be like, free my boy. I just... (laughs) I love that because I live for the chaos that they created. I find myself rooting for the kid as well. To me, it was such a ballsy thing to do and it was so out of the blue that I'm kind of just like, good on you, man. For me, the funniest part was the memes. Where it was like, oh, uh, dude. you've been invaded. They would color him in, in red. <laughs> this is fucking incredible. So good. Yeah. It, it's amazing to me how quickly the internet can operate. The wildest part for me was that it didn't seem like Miyazaki, like watching it in real time, it seemed like he <laughs> expected him to be there. Like it didn't seem like he was confused <laughs> at all. I thought it was like, oh, that's his kid. And then I heard reformed rabbi Bill Clinton. And I was like, (laughs) what the fuck did he just say to me? So we missed it because the TV was turned out because we were doing Yu-Gi-Oh! Night. Yeah. yeah. So once it said that Elden Ring won, we just kind of turned it down. Okay. To keep doing what we were doing. And then Saul was in the Discord and he said, wait, 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 wait. I think we missed something. And I said, what? And he goes... I'm pretty sure we missed something, so we had to go back and find it. And then we were like, what the fuck was just said? 
because Saul, I guess, saw people being like, what the hell was that? And he was like, so he stopped reading. was like, we got to look and figure out what we missed. Uh, that was a fun time. Uh, interesting. Also, the same kid had done these things multiple times before uh, in other situations. Ballsy kid. Ballsy kid. Ballsy kid, indeed. Good for him. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 release window announced. Now, of course, this is the PC version. I'm still curious to see if Larian's going to bring this to consoles oh, they uh, like they did with Divinity. I think the answer is also that they will, but it will probably be at least another year, sadly. Forspoken Demo, now available, PlayStation Network. We already talked about that one. am curious if any of you guys also have feedback, if you played it. I've talked with a few of you, JehudiMD, one of our longtime patrons, who uh, also mentioned that as well. He talked to me about his thoughts on the game uh, and how it pulled him away from it. Other people I saw where it pulled them further into it because of how much they liked the gameplay. So I'm curious to see how that impacts the game. Transformers Reactivate is an online action game developed by Splash Damage. Not a whole lot was said within that. Hard to tell what it is. I like the idea of a new Transformers game. Hard to be excited when you don't have an idea of what it's going to play out as. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, looks cool. I... Seemed to me like they were implying you'd play as Bumblebee. Yeah, I mean, yellow hands. Either <laughs> way, not much to say. It was a CG trailer for a game I probably won't end up playing to begin with. So this one was a big one for me personally because I have an affinity for this studio. Don't nod, who you may know from Vampire, remember, remember me, me, or more likely their time working on the Life is Strange games, uh, and then their own shoot off of that kind of. Um, adventure game mm-hmm. isn't that what they call those <laughs> style of games now uh anyway they're returning back to a more gameplay focused loop uh like they did with vampire and remember me in banishers ghost of new eden which is starring a pair of ghost hunters uh banishers takes place in 1695 in the haunted wilds of north america and follows Two who are romantically involved as they work to stop the threat of lingering ghost inspectors to protect the living. I think the premise sounds cool. I think the gameplay looked really cool. I'm glad that they ended it by showing gameplay coming in, uh, even if it was CG of what they intend gameplay to look like. I'm excited for this. Chris, did you play Vampire or have any interest in it? Um, I have it downloaded. I have not played it. Um, I played a little bit of Remember Me. And then I played the first season of Life is Strange, which I liked. So Life is Strange. Was that not them? Am I crazy? It wasn't. No, I think I think you're right. I'm wanting to double check. Because I know that Life is Strange 2 ended up being... Uh, oh, no. Was it Life is Strange 2 was still Don't Nod? Uh, yeah, Don't Nod and Deck Nine. It was Deck Nine was the other one. Got it. Uh, not Deck 13. So, yeah, you're right. Life is Strange was good, too. I liked it a lot. Not down talk. I just like to see them play. Oh, I like to see them develop more action-heavy games as well. I didn't want them to forego one style of game to completely do the other. If they yeah. can do both, it's ideal. Any thoughts on this? Uh, it looks cool. I don't know much about it. I'll wait to see until it's a little bit closer. But I thought it was very interesting. I like okay. ghosts. Uh, let's see. Single player magic first person shooter Immortals of Avium revealed. Apparently it's, being a, it's an EA original and comes from a group of devs that have previously worked on Dead Space, Halo, and Bioshock. Kind of hard to be excited about because there's not a lot to go off. 
I agree. It looks cool, but it's not enough for me to go off of. But Gearbox did announce Remnant 2 for 2023, uh, which is Gunfire Games' new game. And if you remember, Remnant from the Ashes uh, was the first game in that series, and it's a third-person shooter-based Souls-like game. Super fun. I enjoyed the hell out of that game, uh, and Swanland played it with me. Uh, one of our listeners for the show and one of the people in the Discord I love that game, and I hope to see people playing this one as well. This one looks even better. I like Gunfire. The only downside to this that I can think of is I also wanted to see Gunfire making the next Darksiders game. Uh (laughs) Doesn't mean they're not, because they made Remnant and Darksiders 3 pretty much in tandem. Um, But it's cool. I'm still glad to see this. Uh, Since this is a Souls-like, is this anything on you since it's more shooter-oriented, or is it just a Um, I did like the first Remnant. I beat it on PC, but I don't know that I'm looking forward to this. It's one that'll get on sale like I did Remnant from the Ashes. Fair enough. I would hope that you end up getting it, though. Uh, Blue Protocol is Amazon's next push into gaming, working with uh, Bandai Namco. And it is an anime-inspired MMORPG you may have seen the trailers for uh, that is described as an anime come to life that features five classes, Blade, Warden, Twin Striker, Keen Strider, Spell Weaver, and Foe Breaker. And that's about all we know about it right now. It definitely has this kind of uh, Genshin Impact vibe to it, a mm-hmm. little bit. But some of the artwork looks really cool. I don't really have a strong opinion past that. I probably won't play it since it's an MMO. I don't have time for that. I agree. So those games I don't, I don't play said. Genshin Impact, and I don't play this. They are. Um, After Us was announced at the game world. Looks like a platformer game with a very odd setup from a new studio called Piccolo Studio, um, or at least a new game from them. It's being published by Private Division, who you may remember from the uh, Outer Worlds and Ali Ali World and I think Roller Drone. So you have a couple of different things that they were part of there. Any thoughts on that? No, not really. Seems cool. All right. So I'm going to rapid fire because this is starting to get to what I thought was the issue. New trailer for a game called Replaced shown. Vampire Survivors is now available on mobile. Let's go. Game of the year. Dead Cells Return to Castlevania DLC arriving next year as Chris talked about. Valiant Hearts Coming Home is headed to mobile devices soon. Colossal Cave official release date reveal trailer. Wild Hearts got another gameplay trailer. That is the Monster Hunter style game coming from um, Koi Tecmo um, that is being published by EA. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Raid Season 1 got a trailer. Fire Emblem Engage DLC for the most recent Fire Emblem game. Dune Awakening got an end-engine trailer for the upcoming survival MMO game that's very much in the vein of what Conan did. I'm interested in that game because of my interest in Conan and my interest in Dune. Hopefully that stays up there. Destiny 2 Lightfall got a new trailer, or a trailer, whether it was new or not. Among Us Hide and Seek, which is a new game mode, apparently, or a new game. Uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, Got its own gameplay trailer. That is the v, uh, VR game, and that is that. It's not everything because there's also a game called Behemoth shown, uh, which is a VR game, Oculus, uh, which looked really interesting. It kind of looked it was trying to be a Shadow of the Colossus style game. For a while, I thought it was avowed. Uh, but that leads us to a final point that Xbox didn't really have anything besides a sizzle reel 
at uh, game, the Game Awards, which caused some controversy. So let's start there before we round out the rest of these questions. How do you feel about Xbox not being really in any true presence at the, uh, the Game Awards? Do you think that was reasonable? Do you think it's reasonable that people who are fans of Xbox are upset that they chose not to show face? Yeah, I think this was... Some you needed to be there with something. You needed to show an avowed trailer or a Starfield trailer or something. Because it's been such a dry year that, you know, they spend all their time on Twitter <laughs> looking at Metacritic instead of playing games. No, I'm just joking. That was very toxic of me. But <laughs> but in all seriousness, like how you can't be quiet for an entire year. Tell your fans something's coming, something's coming, something's coming, something's coming, and then Nothing, nothing comes. That would just be a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you idiot. <laughs> I mean, I kind of. It depends on how quickly they come out with their own event. Yeah, because they're you know they came out and said that they have something, and really soon we're going to see it. And I'm assuming they're going to wait until after Christmas. But how long after Christmas and at what point? You know, it's up to them and they have a lot of metrics to tell them when timing is right for it to release these things. But I think even having a single actual thing, like Sony wasn't there in any big way, but you had Death Stranding 2, Sony, you have Final Fantasy, that's Sony, and Forspoken. You had multiple things that were kind of touchstones. Call the Mountain. It doesn't matter if it's something we've seen before. People just want to feel your present at what is, for many people, considered one of the biggest nights in gaming. Uh, and to not be there in any way outside of a sizzle reel just kind of feels like either you don't agree with it or you're disconnected from that community or that you don't have anything to show. And neither of them are good looks. I don't know which one I'd prefer to go with. Um, but I think that this one probably be a little salvageable based mostly off of how quickly Microsoft respond with a showcase or whatever that they seem to be teasing is going to be the answer for their lack of being here. Yeah. I hope that's so, true. Yeah. I mean, I get you. Uh, we come to the big question from rude cold, longtime listener, longtime patron. He says, what was your favorite game reveal at the game awards? Death Stranding too. Oh, Death Stranding 2 is definitely up there. And this is going to sound weird because favorite is a really weird word. So I'm going to go back to uh, Banishers. Okay. Primarily because it's my favorite because I get to see a developer I've loved returning to a style of game that I love. Whenever the last... They've, they've had so much success in uh, the Life is Strange type game model that I wasn't sure they were going to try and return back to this. So it's good to see them do so. Uh, last thing that I think we're going to talk about, unless you want to talk something else about the, the game awards nope. is a question that came from Derek Porter. So Derek Porter, longtime listener, longtime patron. He says, what were your top five disappointments of 2022 in gaming? IE games that didn't live up to hype delays for games. You were looking forward to anything in gaming news that disappointed you. So do you have one or would you prefer me to go with mine so that you can kind of formulate yours? I'm off to formulate mine, so please go. All right. Derek, great question, first of all, and I think I like this as a community's take answer. I hope that people don't view it as some big negative thing because 
everybody faces disappointments. Uh, just about how you choose to roll with them and cope with them. So my first one is Sons of the Forest getting continually pushed back throughout 2022, all the way to the point that it missed this year entirely when it was originally supposed to come out around March. Um, that is incredibly unfortunate. And I understand they're a small studio, but this is a studio that saw a lot of success and have grown. And I really hope to see them do a better job at managing this game. Yeah. Um, the Callisto Protocol not being the knockout that I overly anticipated it to be, which was probably a little unfair of me uh, and everyone else, because it is a new game, new studio. But I also understand where that hype came from for a lot of people. Uh, that's my second one. Third, Microsoft going another year promising the payoff for their studio acquisitions to come to bear soon. <laughs> As I've already said, I think Microsoft just has an issue where they've yet to be able to show off what they've done all this purchasing for. And I can respect waiting until things are ready, but at the same time, if it's taking this long for things to be ready, at some point it feels like you have to ask why? Is are you doing something wrong on a management side, or is it really genuinely reasonable for these games to be taking this long? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that I'm disappointed by the fact that I have not seen anything more of Fable, for instance. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that we've known about it forever, it's been rumored for forever before we even got the official announcement, which means this has being, been being worked on for quite some time. Um, so, unfortunate. Uh, let's see. Next thing, no P. See support for PSVR 2 straight out of the box, at least as we know yet. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I would have even quicker been able to make a decision on buying one. I would have already made that decision to buy it had it supported PC out of the box. Because as much as I think Oculus is a great thing, it's also a little too minimal. And PSVR 2 brings a lot of ideas that I would love to see work with PC. Uh, Last but not least for me, No meaningful update on Hollow Knight Silk Song for basically the entire year. Uh, It's another game that has somehow been announced for forever, but keeps missing any kind of true update or anything of value to get us closer. The only thing I can give Sons of the Forest is at least they're trying to pretend it's going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about Hollow Knight Silk Song. Uh, So those are my five. Great question. And I feel pretty confident with that being the community's take. But Chris, before we round out the show with that being the community's take, do you have five that you feel like you can hit? Um, let's see. I think something super disappointing for me was most of the games I was very hyped coming into this year for did not perform well for me. In Callisto, uh, Dying Light 2 was a big one, God of War, Horizon. Um Let's see. I I would also have to say not seeing any fruits of the Bethesda tree or not seeing any fruits of any of the Microsoft tree is kind of disappointing. You know, you always want to see better g- games coming out. And, you know, when the most interesting thing coming out of Xbox is contraband, the title screen, like, that's disappointing. I would have hoped there would be more. Yeah, I- and I don't, devil's advocate may not be the word. I don't want to act like Xbox didn't do anything this year. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to note because they did release a full version of Grounded. It's been in early access for a long time. They did come out with Pentiment. They've had games, but they haven't had the big games that people expected. 
Mm-hmm. And true. so I think it's reasonable that people are like, okay, because it's cool that they're doing the small games and I've given them a lot of praise for doing the small games. Yeah. But people also want to see the big games, which we've yet to see. Well, it's one of those things where like, I, I think on this show, I laughed at the fact that, you know, Senua's sacrifice is aiming for 2024, 2025, you know, and that's, that to me is just mismanagement, but either way, my next one would be um, the destruction of Zaum Studio. I'm actually very upset about that. I was looking forward to Disco Elysium too, so uh, that studio kind of falling apart at the seams is pretty disappointing. I didn't realize that it happened. Oh yeah, the uh, communist the communists got capitalisted. <laughs> really? Yeah. The short is basically that they got investment in their studio. That investor sold to somebody else who fired them. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yep. So they lost the disco IP and the Elysium stuff. So it sucks for them and it sucks for us as people who really liked that game. But the dramatic irony Crazy. is funny. Game's still coming out on PS4. <laughs> is that one? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Um, sure, it's gaming related. I was disappointed is a weird way to say it because I was in it for more for the fireworks, but I'm disappointed that the Activision Xbox deal kind of froze the landscape of M&A that we were promised this year. Because if you remember listening to journalists before that happened, it was, everyone's got money to burn, baby. We buying. And nobody did that. <laughs> Well, I mean, acquisitions happen, but not any really truly big ones, no, right? I mean, I guess Bungie. Do you remember the day where Greg Miller had had information, so they delayed kind of funny games cast just for nothing to happen, and he thought that Bethesda Square Enix was being bought by Sony? Like that was the kind of stuff that I missed this year because I, while I don't love consolidation, I do love fanboys getting mad at each other on Twitter, and that did yeah. not happen. The, the drama that can be created. Exactly. See, that drama can be fun when you can excise yourself from mm-hmm. it. When you can choose to be a voyeur and just look into it as you see fit. And maybe you want to partake here, here and there and make a crazy comment just to get a response. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? um, I think the biggest one for me, the biggest disappointment of the year is while Microsoft was quiet, Sony was quieter. And it was very disappointing to see. Now, how, do, how so? Just I, I want to make sure I'm understanding. Well, Sony know. had no conferences, nothing like that. We don't know really any of the first-party output uh, for next year unless you truly believe that it's Factions and Spider-Man. You know, it's, it's disappointing that they didn't do a showcase or anything I guess, like that. I guess I can feel you, but and this is, this is I can understand why it, you didn't see enough from first-party. Right. That's fair. I agree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I think Sony still felt like they were in the news because of all the third party deals they have going on. So like they have people excited for Forspoken and final fantasy 16 and they had other announcements with third party things like silent Hill Two exclusivity. So it's, it's a mixed bag. I think it's worth, if we're going to criticize Xbox for not having enough out of their first party, I think it's fair to uh, mm-hmm. throw the coin to the other side and say, Sony's had the similar issue. Uh, but then Sony has the ability to quickly punch back and say, yeah, but we do have big AAA games that are for us that we're still working toward and they've spent time announcing and promoting. Um, 
that would be interesting. I'd, I'd kind of be curious to hear people's thoughts on that one in general. Um, with, with, do you consider Sony to be being as quiet as Microsoft uh, or does the, do these third-party deals still count towards Sony and, uh, and see what people think? I think the more I think about it in my head right now, I think the answer is that even if it's not from Sony, the fact that they're exclusive to PlayStation 5 and clearly being pushed by Sony gives a feeling of it being just like, you know, Sony games. So you ultimately have that. But I'd be curious to see if people agree with that. For me, in the end, there was no showcase, and that's disappointing. Yeah, I agree with that. I would have really liked to see some kind of showcase this year. Uh, but all right, man, I think that's a way to wrap the show up. I agree. I'm good. I have no clue when this is going to go up because I'm not going to be able to edit this and still function tomorrow. <laughs> But it's okay. I will get this up and I will let everyone know that we at least recorded. We still got to edit. We still got to get all this together. But Chris, thanks for joining me. I know that of you course. worked and you had to come home and do this. I worked and did this as well. Uh, so I appreciate you taking one for the team and doing this. But guys, thanks to each and every one of you. We appreciate the hell out of you. Everyone who comes over here and, and hangs out and listens to the show writes in questions, communicates with us in the community stake. We appreciate every one of you. If you're listening to the show on podcast service and you enjoyed it, uh, give us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. Let other people know what you think about the show. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a you know an actual written out review. It's just Spotify. Just give us those stars. Let us know in a star value what you think. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe if you like what you got going on, comment, to our questions if you feel like doing so. It helps get the video in front of more faces, and we appreciate that. Uh, and I think to wrap this show up, like I said, the community's take will be what are your five disappointments in gaming, and hopefully we'll get an answer from Mr. Derek Porter himself since he posed the question, and I, I like that. Uh, so without further ado, we want to give a shout-out to our Patreons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month to support the show. Our newest one, as we mentioned earlier, is Savoy Prime. Thank you, Savoy. We appreciate you so much. Recently, we've also had Alex join. Then we, of course, have Barry Rogers. It's a Sin to Win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, and Shadowist. Thanks to each and every one of you. Hope you have a good one. Goodbye.